Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people it gives me a lot of hope if you liked locatora before you're gonna love season nine subscribe to our show and you'll see why locatora is your prima's favorite podcast listen to locatora radio as part of the michael Cultura podcast network available on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening to the Jason Smith Show with Mike Harmon podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weeknight, 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. Eastern, 7 to 11 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Jason Smith Show with Mike Harmon at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every night on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. Now let's get this party started. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. Greetings. Welcome inside. Happy Monday. The Jason Smith Show with my best friend, Lil Yachty. Live from the Geico Studios where 15 minutes can save you 15% or more on car insurance. That's not like, one of my other uh, personas. Is I that like what I'm. Lil Yachty. Okay. Lil Yachty. Like I kind of figured when they say it, Lil Yachty is like 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 Yachty or Molina has a kid. Oh, look at Lil, Lil Yachty, Yachty coming in. But it's Can Yachty. Can he catch? 
Yeah, probably. For a hundred years? He's got the neck tattoos, yeah. too. No, no but it's great. actually yachty like a yacht. Like yachty. Like I'm a yachty. I'm on a, I don't, did they say it about somebody? I'm a yachty. I like to go on yachts. Well, I'd be kind of bougie, yeah. I know there's I mean, a- it's an upgrade on bougie-ness. I mean, if I win the $1.6 billion or thereabouts, I'll buy a boat. I mean, there's- Just so I can sing, I'm on a boat. <laughs> I'm on a boat. I'm, I'm a little yachty. Or is it Lil Yeti? Like, that would be like... If you can if go you find... Were, well, yes. again, you could, you're a you could fund an expedition to find a little Yeti if you want. Is this Lil Yachty? <laughs> yes, this is him and Dra- our drum Is singing it featuring? No, no, it's not, no, no, this song is, I like paper and no, I like planks. No, it's plank, not that. With a poo and a whoop. <laughs> no, and a, this is... And a, and a Sam, 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 and a and wait, 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 yeah. and, wow. a, and a 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 I mean, that's just paper. And no, plates. this is Lil Yachty. No, yes, hey, there's hey, still it's no in, words in the song. It's, it's instrumental. It's inspired. I'm not by. paying him. Do you want to pay him? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to give you bed. I love. Why, why are you trying to talk like I you're Rob Parker? <laughs> Come, Come on, Jason. I'm gonna give it a little bit of a bed. Eight seven seven. With a whoop, whoop, and a, and a, and This is actually better than talking about the Monday night football game. And a, and a, or the, or the finales for either of our respective NFL teams over the week. Yeah, you got to just throw that Hail Mary a little bit further. You, you know, it's, a little you know what? Further, I'll take buddy. some solace in it because you, you saw who made the play to save the touchdown, right? This is the one you keep singing. That's the same song you just played. No, it is not. This is the same song. <laughs> it really gets us to the same place, doesn't it's the it? Same song. It is not the it same is. song. It's Listen. The same song. Say this is the song you keep singing. No, that's I. It was the same song you just played. Either way, I was trying yeah, to make. Same a, I was trying it's to make a point there song. somewhere. It doesn't. It's the same song. Wait, is it like Creed? This is where it's the same. Oh yeah, yeah, everything is the same. <laughs> anyway, you saw well, Harmon made I the like play, right? Football and I like basketball and I <laughs> like hockey and I like twiddly dinks and ink ink and a and a whoop whoop and a oh boy and a Harmon and a Harmon and a big leg and whoop and a Jets yo and a Cousins and a Cousins and tight shirt is not driving le- same song wow same song listeners of the podcast will have no idea what was going on right there. <laughs> it's pretty funny though even if that uh, comes off uh, the music so accompaniment I th- still think that was pretty good Lil Yachty performing yeah. at halftime of the Monday night game and Let's face it. I saw better dancing at halftime from Lil Yachty than we saw in the first half of this extravaganza between the Falcons and the Giants right now. Uh, yeah, but I, which team are you talking about? You have to you have Both. to be specific. Uh, 10-3 right now. The Falcons lead the Giants. We are midway through the third quarter. So far tonight, Saquon Barkley, 22 yards rushing. Odell Beckham's got 57 yards receiving. And Matt Ryan's got a touchdown pass, and there you go. Yeah, and that, a, that is that is your update for Monday well, you, Night Football. Start the second half. You get a big drive by the the Giants. Eli Manning finds Sterling Shepard, whatever, fifteen yards in the air. You know we're doing air yards now. It's kind of like mm-hmm. um, launch angle for home runs. It's now air yards. Air, I like air yards. No, it's good. I've, well, I've always argued that should be the end of the quarterback scoring for fantasy purposes. And whatever you do after that, it, it's now on the receiver. Air Yards also sounds like a video game. Get Air Yards out, EA Sports. It's in the game. That's pretty good. Air Yards. Otherwise, I've got some of those air rockets, right? Like you you press uh, press stomp down and, and it goes flying in the air. Either way, uh, they had a, a, an opportunity here. And, and they, well, they, they were the Giants. They called a bootleg for Eli Manning. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's a, he kind of crumbled a, in the sideline, yeah. and then Barkley gets stuffed for a one year at the one for no gain, and then on fourth down they throw the ball to get this Scott Simonson, mm. backup tight end. That's the guy on fourth and one. That's your call. Not the- hey, let's get a field goal here, make a ten six. I, I like going for the touchdown. Don't get me wrong. Seems like you have other options. You know, Ingram's back on the field. Barkley's shown he can catch. He can't block. No, but he can catch a pass. No, no, now no, he no, got no. trucked, and we have to make a point. Saquon Barkley. There was a blitz that he went to pick up, and he did it flat-footed. Didn't move into the oncoming rusher, uh, and he ends up getting knocked back into Eli Manning. Immediately, Twitter going, "Ah, oh, Eli, look, you got to keep moving." Like, no, no, no. That's five thousand pounds squatting Saquon Barkley standing flat-footed against a guy running full speed at him. That, He's going to lose that every time. That simply goes down as Giants football. That's where That's you're really at. Really, right how now. you summarize it Giants here in 2018 football. So again, just under six minutes to go in the third quarter. Falcons lead the Giants 10-3. If Odell Beckham Jr. headbutts a fan or a kicking net or something, we will let you know. Uh, but right now, that's where we sit. The two and four Falcons looking to stay in it in the NFC. The Giants looking to not fall to one and six, unless they are looking to fall to one and six, in which case they get closer to Justin Herbert. It depends where your goalposts are if you're a Giants fan. But he says he's coming back to school, Jason. <laughs> I, I'm not going to the Giants. Whoa. Not going there. That team's terrible. How about how about that? How about the Giants being the New York team that, oh, they don't know what they're doing? You know, yeah. We the Jets, we lost. You're really the, feeling we pretty good about Vikings. this, aren't you? That's fine. Vikings were good. But it was they, the they revenge game. I know, I know. I, I, I expected, You hyped it all week. I expected them By to the play way, better. By the way, you and I play this week. Yeah, I know. Shh. You and I are actually playing in fantasy right now. Oh, I'm getting in married. a league. Yeah, you are. You're having a very bad week. It's not your fault. She's having a bad week. Yeah. That's all it is. It's a fair, fairly decent team. That but, just, they underperformed. I tried to coach them up. I gave them a good speech. Uh, they failed me. But, yeah, look, the Vikings are a better team. They are a right. su- preseason Super Bowl contender for a reason. They've had a little bit of issues, but they're a better team. They won. Look, it's fine. I'm fine with that. But, you know, we're going in the right direction. The Giants look like, and now the guy we want is going to go back to school. That's just so awesome. This may be as good as it gets. This may be so. I'm going to wait because this really may be as good as it gets for the Jets. Even you know we're three and four, but the Giants are just okay, so much worse. And Sam Darnold's hair is spectacular. <laughs> but no matter what trash. happens on the field. Speaking of worse, today saw a trade that happened that passes understanding. In the words of Raiders GM Reggie McKenzie, "Quote: I got a call from Cowboys Vice President Stephen Jones this morning." He put it on the table, what he wanted to do, he wanted the player, and he gave me the pick, and that's what it came down to. So the Raiders send Amari Cooper, the fourth overall pick in the 2015 draft, to the Dallas Cowboys for a first-round pick. There was supposedly interest from a lot of teams on Amari Cooper. The Cowboys decided we'll give a first-round pick for a Jag, a guy who is just a guy. And I've heard so many people try to defend and try to spin. Oh, yeah, you know, it's not really Amari Cooper's fault. It's the whole team. Amari Cooper has been a jag for a couple years now. And bottom line is, even if you think he is good, he has no market value across the NFL. Why was he widely available? Why did no one else pull the trigger? Because no one was dumb enough to give up a first-round pick. I got a feeling this is one of those days where Jerry Jones grabbed Stephen Jones, took his cell phone, 
and then like knocked them out like with some kind of ether, like they did in the movies where they would take the handkerchief and put it over the person's oh, face. Oh, sure, yeah, pass yeah. Out. that's an old, old classic move. And then he locked all the doors to his office, and he built a moat around the outside to put sharks and alligators in it nice. so nobody could get to his door so Jerry Jones could make that phone call from Stephen Jones's phone and tell the Raiders, uh, yeah, we'll give you that first-round pick for the Cooper kid. And they were like, yeah, sure, go ahead. Because I, I don't know how – this winds up being made unless it's a Jerry Jones directive. Go get Amari Cooper for a first. Go get pick. a wide receiver right now. This is oh look because this is and this is the reality. Before we get to the Raiders part of it, this is the reality for the Dallas Cowboys. This is how they have to do things now. They have to shop in the clearance bin, and they've been doing this for a couple of years. Why do you think they take so many chances in the draft on players with character issues or all oh, Lyle Collins? Because they have no choice. Because they spent so much bad money in free agency, they don't have money. So they have to figure out a way to go, all right, well, we'll move this around with this round. Now we'll make a trade for Amari Cooper. And we trade a first-round pick for a guy who's going to be a free agent a year from now who is not very good. Getting him is fine. But giving up a first-round pick, are you crazy? But see, there's the big part of it that I think went under the radar in a, in a lot of the reporting of this today is he's only got one year left on the deal. This was when we were talking with Jason Lockenfora last week and, and even before that, talking about, hey, Derek Carr, given what John Gruden seems to be doing. And, and the other thing, we'll get to the Raiders part in a minute because the credit getting put somewhere that we didn't expect. But the idea that Derek Carr would get dealt what was out on the table. There's a guy that was still on the contract till 2022. So it makes sense if you have to give up prime assets to go get him. Because it's still under a team-friendly deal for multiple years at the most important position of the game. Here's a guy that's got $14 million on the book. Here's a stat from uh, Josh Dubow. Or Dubow? I don't know. Josh Dumel. No, no, no. no. I see him every now and again around the building. Yeah, I know. 52 games with the Raiders. Amari Cooper, 13 games over 100 yards. 19 with less than 30. So let that sink in for a second. And, and try to blame that all on him. But the, the idea that you'd go and you'd give up a first-round pick to a team that's not very good. you got a good defense. right? We, we can agree that the Dallas defense can bring it at times. Still waiting on the league to actually do something with Demarcus Lawrence that's been hanging out there and doesn't seem like it's going anywhere at this point. Roger Goodell, again, disappears into mm-hmm. the background. Uh, but offensively, is, is this is the guy that's going to jumpstart things and suddenly make you a contender? Because that's the other part. Where you're at right now with one more year to go on his deal, that's suddenly turning you around that that's worth what is probably a top 10 pick? Because that's the other part. It's a top 10 pick. This isn't, this isn't pick 27. This is, this is the Dallas Cowboys doing things how the Dallas Cowboys have always done them under Jerry Jones. Let's find a way to really dig a hole for ourselves that we can't get out of. You're losing a franchise player. You are losing a franchise-caliber player for one year of a jag-wide receiver. I it, it makes absolutely no sense, and it makes no sense for the Raiders. They give Khalil Mack away, and they get a first-round pick for a guy who stinks, and the tanking can continue, although I would argue putting him out there means they're continuing to tank. It, it, it makes no sense for the Raiders, but now that they've done this, right? I give the Raiders a lot of credit today. They fleeced the Dallas Cowboys, whatever they did. Maybe they were they were you know doing the whole thing from, what was the Will Smith movie, Focus, 
with Margot Robbie when he was he was suggesting numbers to a guy like all day. It drove by on the side of a bus, and when he would have lunch, the number was on his menu and all this stuff because he wanted to pick that number for a bet that night. Like maybe they were doing that to Jerry Jones. It just said Cooper everywhere he went. It was his limo driver's name was Cooper. You know, he went to get tires. They were Cooper. Someone's name was Cooper. That he met all these different things. He watched the Fox Something. pregame show with Cooper Manning. Uh, maybe uh, Cooper was everywhere, so he decided to make that trade. He's a weapon. But if you're the Raiders now, go the next step. You had a chance. We mentioned it last week, and a lot of people said, oh, you're crazy. Now are we crazy? The Jaguars need to call the Raiders for Derek Carr. Jason Lock and Fora told us, a first and a player, that would get it done for Derek Carr. Call the Raiders for Derek Carr. Obviously, you need a quarterback. Blake Bortles gets benched yesterday. He plays so poorly, Cody Kessler has to yeah, come in. Yeah, well, he Cody Kessler a, is spectacular. He throws a touchdown, and the fans and, and the, the team mobs him like he just threw a Hail Mary yeah. to win the Super Bowl. Bortles keeps his job, but this is after teams members of the Jaguars were fighting after well, the game Well, they had to yesterday. get all the reporters out of They were letting him into the locker room said, no, 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 go back out there. You got to wait a few. This is just an absolute mess. Oh, trade for Derek Carr. The Jaguars, you can remake your team. You'll have a vertical passing game. The Raiders are obviously trading everybody. Call and get Derek Carr. He's 27 years old. He's got a good contract. He's been good. He's having a bad year this year. He's in a bad situation, a change of scenery. He will continue to show what he's shown up until now. He is a good quarterback. Everybody laughed last week. Now it's like, oh, hey, but that's okay. Well, today they were trying to, everybody was trying to sell the Eli Manning thing. Which one are you going after? Yeah, you don't have to give but a bucket of balls at this point for Eli, but go make the investment on a guy that could actually be your future. You got some good wide receivers there. I thought it was interesting that suddenly Reggie McKenzie was getting credit for this trade. That he was he the one. His phone. No, no, no. But he was the one Hello? insisting on getting oh. a number one pick. How come it's been all John Gruden at this point, and all all Gruden has done is take a baseball bat to Reggie McKenzie? But then today this deal gets done, he fleeces the the Cowboys. And suddenly it's like, oh, Reggie McKenzie getting it done. It's like, no, 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 no. Who, who's actually in charge over here? What's going on? Because it's an offensive player. Now, now they give him credit Defensive for this one? Defensive players John Gruden is getting rid of. Offensive players, well, Reggie McKenzie's getting rid of the offensive players. All right, well, get on the That's phone. That's just how we're going to do it here in Oakland. Nicely done. That's how it's going in Vegas. I was listening to a little Chicago radio today. You know what they did? A, um, a contest for best Chicago accent. Did they really? They were giving in away Chicago. like gift cards. Well, just to in see Chicago. who was most... Most embodied. We have the, a full bank impressions. of calls. Uh, we're gonna get to no, them but what second. is always stereotyped on <laughs> on you know Saturday Night Live or other <laughs> comedy shows or sitcoms, whatever. So they had. Um, I, I really thought we should have called in and, and been part of it. Make the move. Get Derek Carr. You need a quarterback. He is absolutely available. 877-99 on Fox. Twitter at How About a Fresca. Mike at Swollen Dome, the Jason Smith Show with my best friend Mike Harmon. If you like paper or if you like planes, this is your show. Monday night football, four minutes to go in the third quarter. Falcons lead the Giants now 10-6. 36-yard field goal is up and good. So this barn burner continues coming up next we have suspensions we have spitting we have a left hook we got everything you need just got ejected yes people did get ejected just got arrested not Not yet yet. not yet actually could it have been an assault we'll talk about that next fox I like football and I like basketball and I like hockey and I like twiddly dinks and ink ink and a and a whoop whoop 
and a oh boy, and a Harmon, and a Harmon, and a big leg, and whoop, and a Jets, yo, and a Cousins, and I like hockey, and I like twiddly. Fox Sports Radio, the Jason Smith Show, with my best friend, Mike Harmon. And when you're hiring, you don't want to waste time sorting through dozens of irrelevant resumes. You want an efficient way to get to a short list of qualified candidates. That's why you need Indeed.com. Post a job in minutes, set up screener questions based on your job requirements, then zero in on qualified candidates using an intuitive online dashboard. Discover why 3 million businesses use Indeed for hiring. Post a job today at Indeed.com slash hire. That's Indeed.com slash hire. Search for greatness. Search Indeed. Uh, right now, Odell Beckham is so talented, he's got 100 yards receiving. Saquon Barkley is so talented. And through three quarters, the Giants have six points. Falcons lead the Giants 10-6 to as we go to the fourth quarter of a barn burner in Atlanta. Hey, a couple of 50-yard-plus uh, receptions tonight. One for Shepard, one for Odell Beckham Jr. I mean, that's Wonderful. good, right? Six points. Wonderful. How well, on have... the plus side, the Giants have only uh, given up 10. You have two 50-yard passes. Yeah. Eli is 265 through the air, having an okay game, 16 out of 24. He's 24. been thrown around like a rag doll. But um, six points. Six points. Which Saquon Barkley, you, 12 for 26. Which shows you, you can have talent at running back and wide receiver. You can have all of this, but you can still stink. And this is what's going on well, with the Giants right now. Your offensive line is atrocious. You, you spent a lot of money. Uh, hoping to eke one more big year out of Nate Solder. He's off, awful. He's, what? what is he, 21 against the cap or 22? I mean, you're, you're talking about a, a good chunk of your cash on a guy who's a shell of his former self and surrounded by pedestrian linemen. Uh, let's call it what it is. And, and you look at Eli Manning, diminished skill or not, he's running for his life. Like, yes, they did the design bootlegs to try to catch him off guard. Look, <laughs> now I'm running with purpose on my own as opposed to running in fear. Uh, but he's been under duress all night. Only four sacks. Uh, I'd be curious to see what the hit count is at this point. Really? This is a Giants team that is absolutely a mess. And you can keep saying, yeah, but this guy is so good. And Odell is so good. And, and Saquon Bart, yeah, okay, they're all so good. Their team still stinks. Poop fest. Their team absolutely still stinks. And this is why when you pay Odell Beckham $90 million and you decide not to draft a quarterback and draft Saquon Barkley, number two overall, your team can still stink. You have to you have to choose who you pay and who you draft more wisely than that. That's what you have to do. This is what the Giants have done, and now they're losing, and they're getting killed again. Uh, 50-yard field goal. Gio Tavecchio. There you go. Is Former good Raider. 50 yards away. So now Atlanta, who stinks, is leading the Giants yeah. 13-6 as we the Giants get the ball for the first time in the fourth quarter. Julio Jones still scoreless uh, for 2018. So we, we mm -hmm. have that. And they're, they're putting up the one-on-one -on -one battle, Beckham versus Julio Jones, and their yardage total. Like, that matters. <laughs> who's who's tracking it? Nobody cares. I know. I know. Like you, you, both your teams are underperforming. Obviously, the Falcons had their injuries defensively that have, have stifled them. But you look at the Giants tonight. If there was one night for the Giants offense to open up, you get Evan Ingram back. He's a ghost. He's invisible. He ran a terrible route on a second down play. I thought Eli Manning was going to jump on top and start beating him. <laughs> I thought he was going to go WWE on him. I, I don't think I've ever seen Eli that demonstrative in his disappointment with one of one of his receivers did. Uh, and you've, you've had a couple of big plays, but not able to cash in. Dubious call on fourth and one earlier. 
and then you kick the field goal the next time you're in the red zone. So some curiosity uh, as to that goes. But in the end, uh, you're playing for a high draft pick and, and for Pat Shermer to uh, – well, he's going to be angry with the media again. Sure. I can't wait to He'll hear him later. Angry. Hey, you really think you should have drafted a quarterback, huh? Don't you think you should have taken a quarterback at number two, Pat? 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 How about a quarterback, Pat? Uh, so, again, we'll keep you updated here. We are minutes away from the Lakers and the Spurs. Yeah, buddy. Big so changes excited. in Lakerland after the suspensions were handed down following the big brawl against Houston on Saturday. Rajon Rondo gets three games. Brandon Ingram gets four games. Chris Paul gets two games. After Chris Paul was spit on, not really spit on, but kind of spit at in less than a nefarious way. He puts a finger in the face of Rajon Rondo. Rondo throws a left hook. Chaos ensues. Brandon Ingram's throwing punches from behind. This is after Brandon Ingram almost punched the ref because he yeah. got on top of him like he was going to body slam. Anthony Cadis got thrown out. Yeah, they throw out, you throw out the lead singer of the Red Hot Chili Peppers. That Cadis. is some kind of Donnybrook. Yeah. They said, hey, you're giving this game away. You're giving it away. You're giving it away. You're giving it away now. <laughs> you're giving it away. You're giving it away. You're giving it away now. LeBron right. pulled Chris Paul off saying, hey, 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 don't get hurt. We got a banana boat in the offseason. But this is LeBron the- getting criticized for that move I know, as well. I know. And you know, people are dopes. Here's the thing. <laughs> this happens and all of a sudden it's all looking. Now the Lakers have to make moves. And obviously Lonzo Ball will slide in and play point guard. And Kyle Kuzma will come in and play for Brandon Ingram. But obviously, as it is, it's always about LeBron James and the Lakers. And I am actually fine with the fight. I'm fine with the results. I'm fine with everything. And there's a reason why. Sometimes teams need to play together for a good 12, 15 games before they start turning it on. As as I've said, the Lakers will struggle the first 12 or 15 games. Then they'll start winning games as they start playing together more. But Saturday night... That was a big come-together moment. When you have a big back-and-forth against a good opponent and everybody's got each other's back and LeBron jumps right in and Brandon Ingram's in and everybody, everybody's on the same page, sometimes things like this can help galvanize a team and it can do more than just, hey, we're playing together for 12 or 15 games. Everybody's in it. Sometimes something like this can have that effect. The other part of it is if Brandon Ingram's not playing, Kyle Kuzma's got to play. Who's a better shot maker, Brandon Ingram or Kyle Kuzma? Kyle Kuzma. There's no doubt that Brandon Ingram is more talented. But with LeBron James fronting the Lakers, do you need the talent of Brandon Ingram or do you need the shot making of Kyle Kuzma? They may stumble into something here with Kyle Kuzma. As far as now, Lonzo Ball's got to be forced to play point guard. As I've said, I don't think Lonzo and LeBron on the court at the same time for long periods of time is going to work because they both need the basketball. But maybe they stumble onto something. So I'm okay with this for the next three or four games. Rondo's out for three. Brandon Ingram's out for four. Let's see how these guys can slide into roles. Maybe Kuzma comes down for 25 or 30 tonight and suddenly, oh, things change. This is not the really bad thing that everybody made it out to be over the past couple of days. Extended preseason is really what you get down to right here. Here's some more uh, roles that that change and you shuffle up a little bit. We see what this combination works, works in that Luke Walton might not have gone to otherwise if you didn't have this this situation occur. I, I think it was a good that we had a real fight. Like, mm-hmm. guys really were angry, and it wasn't big men with that No, that was a real fight. In. That was a, that was a, a lot real of hate. left hook, yeah. I mean, because let's look at the longevity. Other than Ingram, I mean, the the young guy in the, in the process. Rondo and Chris Paul, they've been around a while. There's a lot of residual hate mm-hmm. and anger floating around. 
think when you look at the spitting sensation, that kind of took it to a next level. But Chris Paul, as soon as you put a finger in a guy's face, guy's going to take a swing. Yeah. It's just the way it of works. Course. And that happens on a basketball court. That happens at a bar. That happens anywhere. You know, and, and here's the thing is that for everybody who got suspended, I can't believe Mike D'Antoni. Let's hear from Mike D'Antoni. I can't believe Mike D'Antoni actually was mad that Chris Paul only got two games. Can we hear from uh, D'Antoni? Can we hear from Mike D'Antoni, uh, tight shirt? I don't agree anything close to it. It's just not equitable. Um, it's not equitable. And if you watch the film, you watch the spit, you watch this and that, it's just, you know, I understand maybe he gets one, but, you know, how does he not, what is he supposed to do, just stand there and get spit on and then take a face, uh, punch in the face and then say, well, that's okay. I mean, it doesn't make any sense to me, but anyway, they're doing the best they can do. It's a hard situation. I understand that. So we'll go on. Uh, We'll be fine, but uh, I just don't think it's equitable. Now, see, and here's why Mike D'Antoni just wants to have selective analysis of what happened. We'll get to that coming up in a minute, but first let's check with Deb Carson, find out what's trending in this big high scoring battle in Atlanta. It's a field goal fast. (laughs) All right, so it's a 13-6 lead for Atlanta over the Giants 12 to go fourth quarter. Deceptively high uh, passing yardage for each team. Nothing going on the ground though for either team. 32 yards total rushing for Atlanta. 45 for New York including Just 26 yards on 12 carries for Saquon Barkley. Bottom line, though, Falcons 13, Giants 6. About 13 to go in the fourth quarter. Another NFL news, the big story of the day, the Raiders clearing house. Receiver Amari Cooper headed to the Cowboys for a first-round pick in 2019. Also for Oakland, Marshawn Lynch is on the IR with a groin injury. Uh, some finals for you in the NBA. Giannis Antetokounmpo, 31 points, 15 rebounds. Bucks beat the Knicks, 124-113. T-Wolves with a 91-86 home win over the Pacers. Raptors beat the Hornets, 127-106. And the Magic won at Boston, 93-90. Baseball, Clayton Kershaw is your starting pitcher for the Dodgers for Game 1 of the World Series in Boston tomorrow night. Dodgers skipper Dave Roberts says Hunjin Ryu will start Game 2. Walker Bueller getting the nod for Game 3. And, of course, online car shopping can be confusing. Not anymore with True Price for True Car. Now you can know the exact price you'll pay for your next car. Visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. And, Jason, just for you, the Mets fan, three finalists for your GM vacancy. Who you like? You like Agent Brody Van Wagnon, who is the head of CAA Baseball. And uh, has Yohannes uh, Cespedes, among others, as clients. Do you like former Brewers GM Doug Melvin? Or do you like the Rays Senior VP of Baseball Ops, Heim Bloom? I kind of like Melvin the most, but they're, of course they're going to hire the agent because he's got all the big Mets play. He's got DeGrom, he's got Syndergaard. They're just hiring so they can get these guys to stay yeah. and not pay them le- as much money. Gotcha. Oh, my goodness. Thanks, DC. You bet. Thanks for depressing me. I'm sorry. That's okay. <laughs> hey, get, look up and watch more of this bas- uh, football game. That'll get it. The basketball game will do it, too. <laughs> yeah. Anybody Portland got one of these uh, kickers on the fantasy team? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> there yeah, you go. This is, this is really for fantasy diehards <laughs> only at this point. Thanks, DC. You're welcome. Uh, we're live from the Geico Studios, where 15 minutes can save you 15% or more in car insurance. More info. Visit geico.com. Falcons have the ball near midfield. Ten minutes to go in the fourth quarter. They have a 13-7 lead. And I don't know what happened because obviously we're doing a show at the same time. But it looked like Odell Beckham Jr. ran off the field into the locker room, then came back out. He is sitting on the sideline without his helmet. Uh, That is what's happened. I don't know what the 
deal of that was, but that's what it looked like uh, had happened in the past couple of minutes. But the Giants have not had the ball back, so it's tough to tell right now what's going to happen with Odell. So we'll keep you updated there with the Falcons uh, clinging to a 13-6 lead. Now, the Twitterverse uh, suggests it was a quick bathroom break. Oh, maybe. That while they didn't have possession of the ball, he sprinted out. Gotta go, gotta go, gotta go. Well, you know, sometimes you I gotta. Mean, you, can't you have people, you know, stand around you when you go in like a mayonnaise jar or something? There you are with like, your mayonnaise does jar. It, I mean, doesn't the, the That's why I don't like riding jar? to work with you sometimes because hey. there's too many mayonnaise jars sitting can you in the me back. Favorite, can you empty out that Hellman's? Why? I gotta go. Oh, all right, fine. I mean, can't they? That, that, and you really shouldn't be eating that anyway. Uh, What? Mayonnaise. No, no, I'm just saying, no, the jar. You're not going into a full jar. What's wrong with you? You're not urinating into a full jar of mayonnaise. That's not happening. But still, I you feel can like Dennis, sh- Dennis, I, it's always sunny. That's not happening, Charlie. But, what are you but saying? But you still would have had to consume all that mayonnaise. <laughs> no, somebody else could have It's just a jar. You could have gotten a jar anywhere. Can I go knock on someone's door? Hey, you get any empty mayonnaise jars? You get it. You get I don't want to eat it. I want people to think that I'm eating. I'm just going to scoop all this out and eat it with my hand, and then you can have the jar. No, or it could be it could be a Gatorade bottle. Just pour the Gatorade out on the turf. You have to go all the way to the bathroom. That's a long way to go to the bathroom. I kind of feel like football players, like when you, you know what, you want to feel it's like to be a football player. We'll get to the D'Antoni thing in a second. If you want to feel what it's like to be a football player and realize, boy, sitting on the sideline, what do you do when you have to go to the bathroom? Go camping. Go camping and get your spot. And then at like midnight, wake up and realize, I got to go to the bathroom. And I don't mean number one. I mean number two. And then you realize, oh, that walk to the outhouse is like almost a mile. Do I really want to go do that? Do I really want Do I want to go that far in the woods where there's probably a maniac with a chainsaw and a hockey mask or something? Do I really want to go do that? To, or do I want to just stay here till the morning? I mean, that's that's what it is. You want to, that's the, what the walk is like. If you're an NFL player, you got to go. I got to go to the bathroom. Got to come back. Got to go to the bathroom. Got to come back. That's what it is. That's being an NFL player. Did not really uh, think we'd get a long analysis of walking to a bathroom that included Halloween-esque uh, chainsaw massacres and other things, but that was pretty good. Uh, before we get to the Mike D'Antoni, the fallout from the Lakers and the Rockets brawl, Tevin Coleman is in the end zone, 35 yards out, extra point pending. The Falcons now lead the Giants 19-7, to uh, just about eight minutes to go in the fourth quarter. Tavecchio is on for the extra point for the Falcons. It is up, and it is good. So make it a 20 to 6 lead. The Giants look like they're going to fall 2 1 and forever. Now, here's why I'm kind of upset. We heard Mike D'Antoni talking about the fallout of the suspensions. Brandon Ingram said, I thought I was going to get more games, and I thought he would too because, you know, he lost his mind. But again, I'm not that upset because that's a togetherness part of the of the of the of the team. I'm more upset that Brandon Ingram didn't realize, you know, hey, it's not 110-82. This is a one-point game with 4 minutes to go. So, you have that meltdown in LeBron's first game as a Laker and then suddenly instead of a one-point game, it's a four-point game because Harden makes the free throws and then he makes two more and now it's a six-point game and the game is over. So, realize when you're going to do that, where 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 you're doing that at. All right? So, realize that part of it. But the NBA said we looked at instigating and who was responsible and what roles they played in everything. And so Mike D'Antoni was like, I can't believe Chris Paul got two games. One game, two games is not enough. Okay, let's realize what it was. If you want to say that he was provoked by spitting, okay, fine. If you want to say, that, hey, Rajon Rondo threw a punch, yes. Brandon Ingram came over the top, yes. Did he almost fight the ref? 
Yes. Ingram probably should have gotten more if these, you're really going to yeah, pull back. These right? suspensions are fine. But Chris Paul, you have to realize this does not escalate if Chris Paul doesn't put his finger in Rondo's face and make contact with him. What are you going to do when that happens in a game? You're going to hit the guy. If someone's pointing a finger in your and I'm touching your face, you're going to hit me, you're going to knock me out of the way, you're going to try to throw a punch. Of course that's going to happen. So Mike D'Antoni is saying, oh, I, I, all these other ones I get, oh yeah, but 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 what's, what's Chris Paul supposed to do? No, no, Chris Paul started the whole thing. Nothing happened physically till Chris Paul put his finger in everybody's, in, in, in Rajon Rondo's face and everybody lost their mind. That's why that suspension should have been more. It should have been more. So, look, everybody got what they were supposed to get, except it should have been a couple more games for Chris Paul. He started everything. And let's face it, you know, he, he's had instigator things that has happened in his past. But overall for this whole thing, look, Lakers and the Spurs are going to start now. We're going to keep a big eye on this. I, I don't see this as doom and gloom for the Lakers. Yes, they're 0-2. It's not. It's they're playing without. It's still a lot of excitement, and LeBron is doing what he normally does at this part of a season. He's feeling out his teammates. He's trying to make them accountable for what he needs them to be accountable for. This is what he did in Cleveland. It's what he did in Miami. It's what he did the second time in Cleveland. It's what he did when and Cleveland had that wholesale trades last year at the deadline, and it's what he's doing now with the Lakers. Everything is going as it should be. Well, it'll be the same process, right, is that you have that 10 to 15 games, let's face it, it's a marathon, not a sprint, especially if you're, you're and he did goals just getting into the playoffs. Forget about seeding for a moment. You you can spend a few games here. You, LeBron James figuring out what he's got before orchestrating said wholesale changes, including a coaching change if he decides he doesn't like uh, his draft class uh, partner, uh, Luke Walton there. But when we look at the, the, the fight overall, going back to, to Rondo, he's an agitator. He's a known agitator. That's what mm-hmm. he does. Okay, and so Chris Paul responded. I'm surprised it didn't spill over into beef in that tunnel that we learned about in the locker rooms and all that fun stuff, because that could have been cool, mm-hmm. right? Because oh, yeah, we, yeah. we had that sure. last year, so that could have been fun. But the, the fact is, Paul responded, and you get suspended, right? You have the ability to act, but you, you don't do it in a vacuum. And it's two games, get over it. The next one will come back far more harshly. Ingram probably... If you, you want to, he thought he was going to get suspended for a longer period. And I think for most, the way that finalized, that could have been the case. But for Chris Paul, two games, you got off light. You got off light, as did as did Rondo. Like, as soon as you get the Zabruder film of the second spitter <laughs> and all that other kind of fun stuff, that you, you've got some, some, you know, that's just wrong on, on many levels. No matter how much you're agitating and trying to get into a guy's head, the, the fact that you're at the point of spitting on him is a whole other uh, t- takes it to next level and could be assault charges. I mean, really, Chris Never Paul could have taken it at next level. I've watched enough Law and Order. You can make a case with less. <laughs> Twitter at How About a Fresca Mike at Swollen Dome, the Jason Smith Show with my best friend Mike Harmon. Coming up next, we'll make our official World Series predictions, tell you who the biggest X factor is for each team as we get set for game one Dodgers, Red Sox, tomorrow, 5 09 p.m. Pacific, 8 09 East Coast. We'll make it all next on Fox. Be sure to catch live editions of the Jason Smith Show with Mike Harmon weekdays at 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. I hate that song. Fox Sports Radio, the Jason Smith Show with my best friend Mike Harmon live from the Geico Studios. The Giants play in the Andrew Luck game. Hey, let's get too little too late going here. How about new? Atlanta leads the Giants 20-6. to Just under five minutes to go in the fourth quarter. 
Saquon Barkley looks like he has just broken the plane on a short touchdown run. He is in the end zone. It is official, so make it 20-12, to 12, extra point pending. So still, a little bit of life left in the Giants right now as the Falcons will try to get a couple of first downs, burn the clock, and win this game. But again, extra point pending for the Giants. Right now, it is 20 to 20-12. Meanwhile, we are less than 24 hours away from Game 1 of the World Series. Chris Sale, Clayton Kershaw, and two guys that are going to be the biggest X-factors in the World Series. And by this, I'm going to get to my prediction. Okay. Of everything going on in this series, the biggest X-factor for the Dodgers clearly is Manny Machado. He has an up-to-seven-game audition to land a $300 million contract with his preferred destination. Right now, so many people want to gloss over, well, all Manny Machado's antics, someone's still going to give him $300 million. Yes, but is it going to be a team where he wants to go? People are from $300 million. Does he want to go to the Phillies? Does he want to go to the Braves? Does he want to go to the Indians? Or does he really want to go to the Yankees? Or does he really want to stay with the Dodgers? This is his audition to show that, you know what? I want to show my preferred destination that I can get it done, I can be a great teammate, and I can rake. So if I'm the Dodgers, I feel like I'm in a great spot right now with him because he has a lot to prove whether he wants to stay with us or go someplace else. This is why you got him. You rented him for this moment in time, these next few games, these next seven to eight days against the Red Sox. I feel great about where Machado is. Well, for him, it's all all gravy at this point. You know, the antics and whoever, you know, anonymous sources or whatever, going out and talking about the attitude and everything else, doesn't matter. You're still looking at the overall numbers of what the guy can contribute to the team, uh, not to mention even going out of his way to lay down a bunt. I mean, just oddball and things. And I like that. Look, you know, he, and he, and he baseball hustled down. Ac- right, he, baseball acumen. Right, after calling himself, whatever, Joe Hustle or whatever that he isn't. Johnny uh, Hustle. Johnny Hustle. Johnny Sorry, Hustle. Johnny Hustle. Adult film actor, Johnny Hustle. Thanks. It's a little yeah. early for that, but yeah, uh, wait, wait. Adult to, film actor, Johnny Hustle. Way to get it cracking early on a Monday night. Johnny Hustle. Nicely done. Jimmy Dean. Wait for it. Fired in there. Allie Hayes. All right, now go ahead. Wow, really uh, just really <laughs> painting a picture, aren't you? How about that? But, yeah, I think he, he's in the best of spots. Question of how many teams could pay him what he wants if he wants the longevity versus the short-term heavy money from maybe one of the preferred destinations. We don't know what the Yankees are thinking. They've got a lot of guys that they'll eventually have to pay, so that's certainly in the offing as well. But the Dodgers – they print cash. So the the cash side of it, it's really more the years. I think the X Factor is game one, Clayton Kershaw. Yeah. Just, I mean, over the course of his playoff career, and depending on when you hit the start and stop button, you can come up with very different statistics uh, for him. But certainly you go back to game five last year. That's one that's going to stand out and one that he still needs some bit of redemption. I like the working out in a stadium by himself. It's a nice, nice move. Mm-hmm. I, I think it paints a good picture. Uh, Chris Sale, everybody bought the nonsense story about belly button rings, which was clearly just <laughs> him having fun. And look, if the guy won't wear an old jersey, I don't think he's got a belly button ring. Just throwing it out there. Uh, X Factor for the Red Sox. This will get to my pick. Okay. Craig Kimbrell. Red Sox fans have their hearts in their throats every single time he comes out there to pitch. He has had trouble. Supposedly, he was tipping pitches, and Eric Gagne. Did Eric, yeah, did Gagne fix that? Helped fix him. Like, wow, he helped fix him. Eric, way to go, Eric Gagne. Well, Thanks he's, for standing he, up for the Dodgers. Well, Eric Gagne uh, giving them the good stuff. <laughs> but Craig Kimbrell 
will wind up blowing a game that gives momentum to the Dodgers. It it will be game two, game three. At some point, he will blow a game. The Dodgers will win, and that will be what clinches the World Series for the Dodgers. They will get momentum and not give it back. Dodgers in five because Kimbrell blows a game. See, I like the fact that when you come to and play at Dodger Stadium, you could just wave to J.D. Martinez on the bench unless they want to get creative uh, in their in their lineup, right? Because Mookie Betts talking about shifting him around, that's been one of the big narrative that's been pushed. So uh, I've got the Dodgers in six, but certainly that's more the Red Sox bullpen going back to form after a rough season. Tonight's show brought to you by Discover Card. We treat you like you treat you. The Jason Smith Show with Mike Harbin. There you go. Our World Series picks. Dodgers in five. Dodgers in six. Kimbrel Machado. Coming up next, all the big news from the NFL and a big story from yesterday that's got everybody scratching their heads. It's next on Fox. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Fox Sports Radio, the Jason Smith Show with my best friend, Mike Harmon. Hi, buddy. Live from the Geico Studios, where 15 minutes can save you 15% or more in car insurance. For more information, I would like you to visit geico.com. We got Mike Pereira coming up in a few minutes. NFL, former vice president of NFL officiating, rules analyst for Fox. But a couple of updates we need to bring your way. Uh, First from the NBA, and so far, well, the Lakers, without Rondo and without Brandon Ingram, following the suspensions for the fight on Saturday, not going very well. Here's a shocker for you. Yeah, buddy. They trail the Spurs 35 to 18. Uh-huh. How many points do you think LeBron James has? Zero. Oh. Zero. How many points do you think Lonzo Ball has? Zero. Ten. <laughs> Did Lonzo, he hit any shots from Lonzo beyond Ball, six feet? Lonzo Ball has ten points, okay. including two threes, basically saying, screw you. I'm finally getting my chance to start. <laughs> my dad said I should take all these shots, so I'm going to take all these shots. But here we are. The Lakers are down 16 early in the first quarter. I didn't think you could get down by 16 this fast, but you can. Very quickly. Uh, yeah. As we are about a minute away from the end of the first quarter. Uh, DeMar DeRozan leading the way with 10 points for the Spurs. So suddenly uh, the Lakers, uh, you know, Kuzma for, for uh, Ingram has not started. But it's early. I will say it's early. Well, I mean, it's to be early. fair, though, they've gotten better outside shooting in this game with the two Lonzo Ball three-point shots than they have in – Either of the other starts. That's true. Okay. I mean, you're looking for I'm look. looking for positives. Look, look, I'm about look, I said a few minutes ago when it comes to the Lakers and LeBron without Ingram and without Rondo, this could be something they accidentally discover. Kuzma's shot, as talented as Ingram is, Kuzma's shot making may be something they need more. And maybe LeBron and Lonzo find some kind of unexpected court cohesiveness as a result. I'm This is not the worst-case scenario for the Lakers. They're going to start out slow anyway. I'm okay. I think they might find some stuff. Lonzo Ball, 4 of 6. James 0 for 4. He has 5 assists, though, buddy. So, I mean, he is distributing yeah, and, and making things work. Uh, you hope to stumble in based on the – because you're looking for a shooter, right? That's the all-off season, no matter how many of these pieces you brought in – looking at the land of misfit toys, as it was often called, was where's the guy to make a shot? Yeah. We even had Nate Swaggy mm-hmm. P jump up saying, hey, I'm available. 
<laughs> I'm in. I'm, just I'm ready. watching the game. I'm, just, I'm watching. I'm, I'm, I'm in. binging on Netflix. I'm watching Maniac. I don't understand it. All right, I'm ready to come watch. Ready to come watch. Uh, so we'll keep you updated here, of course. Uh, Spurs and the Lakers and LeBron James still with zero points. Meanwhile, put the New York Giants in the category of teams who, you know, analytics say we should go for two here instead of kicking an extra point. When we last spoke, we brought you the Giants' touchdown, which cut the lead to 20-12 to late in the fourth quarter. Giants were down with about four minutes left. It was extra point pending. And what happened? Instead of kicking the extra point, the Giants decided to go for two. Odell Beckham Jr. dropped a two-point conversion pass that he probably should have caught. And so we now have the Giants trailing the Falcons 20-12 to with two minutes left to go. Falcons with the football. Uh, they do have a decision to make. They could kick a field goal. They could punt as they're on the Giants' 38-yard line. But this is about analytics because many people on Twitter, many insiders are saying, hey, analytics will tell you have told many teams when you're down eight to go for two. The Eagles did it a couple of weeks ago. Doug Peterson got criticized for it. But supposedly, quote, the analytics say go for two. And I understand that. I understand the math, and I, analytics is very, very important. Whenever I want, look, the Mets are going to hire a GM in the next few days. I want someone that understands analytics because that's the wave of the future. But you also have to understand that this is football that's played in a real field with real people. You can say, well, analytics say go for two. You're the New York Giants. Your offense stinks. Your offense stinks stinks. You had your best player drop a touchdown pass or drop a two-point conversion pass that he should have had. Your offense stinks. And when you make decisions like this that backfire, this is what gets people fired. If Pat Shermer kicks the extra point to go down 20-13, to 13, nobody says anything. You're down a touchdown. Right? What's the, what's the rule for going for two in the NFL? You don't go for two until you have to. That's the rule. You go for two when you have to, and that's, what, and that's when it is. But because and maybe we're going to find something out about, about Rosas. Maybe there's something wrong with him. But right now it looks like it's an analytic thing. You make a decision like this, and even though they're going to lose, one of the biggest headlines is going to be, why did you go for two? Why did you go for two when you didn't have to? For, uh, Pat Shermer doesn't know what he's doing. Pat Shermer is out of his element. Why would you make a decision where your gain is so minimal but the, the possibility for blowback is immense. You don't really gain anything, but you could lose so much because that's what people are going to talk about now because the Giants are going to lose. They had another field goal by the Falcons to make it a 23-12 yeah. game, so now this game is basically over. But all the headlines are going to be, what is Shermer doing? There's so little to gain and so much to lose. Tavacchio from 56 yards to extend the lead for the Falcons, the happy Matt Ryan, succeed and proceed, Calvin Ridley with the eyes bugging out, doing a dance after that one sailed through. Uh, but I, if I'm Pat Shermer, my response is simply this. We called a play, Odell Beckham Jr. dropped the ball mm-hmm. and leave it at that. And that's, all the, that's your answer. You called the right play. Eli couldn't have rolled the ball any better to him. It hit him mm-hmm. in the hands. That's the guy you paid a lot of money to make those catches. He didn't. So the analytics, be damned, right? Go for – Go for two down eight's been done five times since 1994. This comes from Football Outsiders twice of this past month. So five times since 1994 have we seen that play actually attempted. And here they executed it well, at least for the first half of it. Odell Beckham Jr. just has to catch the ball. 
Twitter at How About a Fresca, Mike at Swollen Dome, the Jason Smith Show with my best friend Mike Harbin. We'll keep you updated there. But joining us now on the hotline, Fox NFL rules analyst Mike Pereira. Mike, good evening. How are you? Am just great, you guys. Annoying I'm going to come on with you guys every Monday. It just makes my Monday just fly by getting with you guys at night. So glad to be here. Now, see, I like that better than the answer I thought you were going to say as well. As soon as I'm done with you, I'm going to have some wine. And you Why? Know, I, I already you're... did that. <laughs> I already did it. It's more wine. <laughs> oh, okay. You think I'm going oh, I... to wait for you guys? The party's already started. We've now just been integrated. That's all. All right. Well, Mike, we have we have a brand new uh, controversy. It's it's not a it's not a quarterback sack play. It's a penalty on a long snap on a field goal. The Cowboys had their long snapper flagged for an infraction during the snap that resulted in a five yard penalty. The Cowboys had to move back for a potential game tying field goal, and the field goal hit the upright. It was moved back because when Latissour put his hand over the ball, put his other hand under what he said he's been doing for 13 years now, he was called for penalty because he moved the football. How did you see this is a huge deal. The Cowboys lose the game. Where do you see this play? Well, it's interesting because I don't see it the same way that Dean Blandino, who is my cohort at Fox, sees it. You know, to me, when I watch every center and we were always suspicious about long snappers they have too much time on their hands and at key points in the game normally it's fourth and four um they do little things with the ball to try to get the defense to jump offside to give them a first down or maybe in this case to get a closer shot at the field goal and what i think that he does is a false start not an illegal snap it's a false start because he's already adjusted the ball turned it over did the things that he does he has his hand right next to the ball and what he does is put his hand on the ball and then drop it drop it flat and he doesn't snap it that's not part of the snapping motion he stays there with the ball and they reacted to him dropping the ball after being in a set position and he was in a set position. Um, so I think it's a false start. Now, the difficulty is I agree with him. I mean, this is the way he has been doing it. Um, this is the way he did it pretty much at the 943 mark of the fourth quarter, I think, when they kicked the field goal. Um, but when the game is on the line and you have the game-tying field goal, the game-winning field goal, you're going to get a more intense rush by the defense. And I think that if you do something like a flinch, um, which is a false start, a little simple flinch, if you do something like that, I think it's a false start, even though, even though you have been doing it that way throughout the course of the game. So I, I'm kind of agreeing with the league here um, that, that they supported the false start. Um, I bet you, however – that if we watch next week, I bet he doesn't do it. I bet you that they tell him that you cannot, you, you cannot drop the ball like that. And I bet you that there'll even be some pushback internally that says, hey, if you didn't call this in the first quarter, should you call it on the last play of the game? Well, there was no reaction at any other time. This is the only other type of reaction. They felt it was abrupt. The line of scrimmage official did. He threw the flag in his judgment. I agree. Dean doesn't. Um, but 
I, I can't say that that's the reason that the Cowboys lost the game, though. I really can't. They'll settle it in the squared circle next week on pay-per-view. He's Mike Pereira with us, former head of officiating for the National Football League, rules analyst, Fox Sports, joins us each and every Monday. Find him on Twitter, at Mike Pereira. Find Last Call with Mike Pereira and Dean Blandino. NFL on Fox is the Twitter handle there, or Mike always has it up on his timeline as well. Also in that game, Mike, we had the Dak Prescott play coming up the sideline, running and takes a, a vicious hit, goes into concussion protocol. Uh, and as always, we start going, oh, there's the quarterback taking a big hit, and it, it spiraled into a bit of a controversy as well. Well, forget about him being a quarterback. He's not a quarterback at that point. He's a runner. I mean, anytime you cross the line of scrimmage and you're heading upfield, you're, you're treated no different than a, a receiver, a fullback, anybody. I mean, you are not considered defenseless, and that's the key. So if you're not considered defense to be, if you're not considered defenseless, you can be hit in the head or neck area with the shoulder pad, something like that. Um, you can't lead the defender can't lead with the crown of his helmet and make that contact because then that's that new illegal use of the helmet. But it didn't happen here. I mean, it was actually it was a brutal hit, but it was shoulder. It was a shoulder hit, and it was not a helmet hit and so therefore not a foul and i think people have a hard time with that but you have to distinguish between a player that is defenseless that can't be hit with the shoulder to the head area and a player who is not considered defenseless and can now we were talking about that today dean and i were talking about today about it on our show today I'm not going to be surprised if the competition committee looks at this and looks at a hit like that and says, hey, maybe they're going to think about eliminating all hits with the shoulder to the head, even if it's a runner, not a defenseless player. I hope that does not turn out to be the case because I already think we've gone a little bit overboard in protection of players. But I, I wouldn't be uh, – I, I, I really wouldn't be surprised. But that, that hit was a uh, – a legal hit. You can follow him on Twitter at Mike Pereira. That is at Mike Pereira, former vice president of officiating in the NFL, current rules analyst at Fox. Mike, as always, appreciate it. Enjoy going back to the wine. We'll talk to you next week. You got it. <laughs> See you, Mike. Boy, look at that, huh? I didn't think we we're going to get that kind of take from him on that, that, that the penalty. We're wary of long snappers. They do stuff at the end of every game. They try to get teams to jump off sides and the Crown of the helmet penalty. have done a lot of things to protect players, and maybe too many things. He's he's become a maverick. A little now. bit of a maverick. I, I like Mike that. Pereira. No, but think about it. Now, all those plays. Now we're going to try to judge what part of a body of a guy's body is impacting along mm-hmm. along the sideline, or, or are we going to do that every play? Right? Because if yeah. we're going to so do that every play, then then you're really a it's Rob Manford's going to come in and try to take over <laughs> about pace of play, buddy. Twitter at How About a Fresca, Mike at Swollen Dome, the Jason Smith Show with my best friend Mike Arbin. Meanwhile, it is now over in Atlanta. It turns into a big day fantasy wise for Odell Beckham Jr. Eight for 143 and a touchdown. Not enough. Falcons beat the Giants 23 to 20. The Giants get an oh, by the way, touchdown in the final seconds. Onside kick recovered by the Falcons. Falcons improved to three and four. The Giants fall to one and six. We got Jay Glazer on the way coming up next, the latest on this game and all the big stories throughout the NFL. Keep it right here. The Jason Smith show with Mike Harmon. This is Fox sports radio. 
I hate that song. Fox Sports Radio, the Jason Smith Show with my best friend, Mike Harmon. Monday Night Football in the books. The Falcons beat the Giants by the final of 23-20. You had big stat nights from Eli Manning, from Saquon Barkley, from Odell Beckham, and still the Giants could muster just 20 points. But suck. the big question is going to come from right now, what is the biggest trending topic on Twitter, and that is Pat Shermer deciding to go for two with the Giants down eight late in this game. They score a touchdown to get down 20-12 to 12 instead of kicking the extra point. They go for two. Odo Beckham Jr. drops the two-point conversion, and now people are wondering just what is going on with Pat Shermer. Joining us now on the hotline, NFL on Fox insider extraordinaire Jay Glazer. And, Jay, you got to get in on analytics now because this is all going to be about analytics and charts and graphs, and there's going to be a lot of math going on. Are you asking long after analytics? You kidding me? <laughs> Need my two point six GPA? No, that, that's not gonna work. Hey, um, dude, that's great. Two point six out of three. That's fantastic. Yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> I wish that was the case. I, I, look, I, I the only because I'm always I, when something like that happens. Before we get the explanation, I always try to figure out why might he have done it. So obviously, it you know it's it's hard to fathom unless the only thing I can think is that they're. They've been horrible in the red zone. He's thinking, okay, if I can get to a six-point game, then I can get us in field goal position twice to tie it up in that time. It's the only thing I could possibly think of, because otherwise it doesn't make sense. And look, you're, coaches coaches aren't perfect. Sometimes we think that they're going to have all the right answers at all the right times. And they got brain farts, too, just like the rest of us. And that one looked like one. You know, the thing I, I – I feel about this, Jay, is that I understand some of the reasons why you would want to do that. As you said, there's some reasons there, but what you have to gain is so small in that situation. Right. What you have to lose is now Pat Shermer should be fired, and you have a fan base that gets upset, and you have more people, and you have people in power saying, boy, does Pat Shermer, does he know what he's really doing here, being a head coach? I, I wouldn't is, say is Pat he... Shermer needs to be fired to give a two-point conversion. That place, what he inherited in there, is a mess, and you've seen it. And there's a new GM, new head coach, and it's still the same mess that it's been in the past. Um, and these are two disciplinary type guys. Yeah, it's a mess. So, no, I, I definitely don't think that you fire a guy. And when we say that about Mike Vrabel, no. So I, I don't think we should, you know, jump out right here. And look, if this team wasn't a mess, they wouldn't have a second pick in the draft. And just because they got Saquon Barkley and added a left tackle doesn't mean they're suddenly going to be, uh, you know, this juggernaut team in the NFC East. It's going to take a couple of years to not only rebuild the Giants, but change the the um, the energy in that locker room, if you will, and, and just you know, how people act and how they, the, the, the professionalism inside that locker room. Well, now we're talking about uh, changing a locker room, changing a culture, while well, staying in the division. The Cowboys give up a first-round pick to acquire Amari Cooper as John Gruden and Reggie McKenzie continue to shuttle off pieces. Uh, we're all scratching our heads wondering about uh, what appears to be, at least on the surface, Jay, a, a gross overpay. <laughs> well, here's the deal. It's interesting. You know, first of all, I was the one who broke the story last week that uh, you know Cooper was on the trade block and mm-hmm. John Gruden immediately came out and said, I don't know where these reports come from. <laughs> and Jay's that. raising his hand going, me! <laughs> Which, yeah, right away going, okay, he denied it, I'm golden. <laughs> um, I'm doubling down on this one. <laughs> you don't know how good or bad of a trade it's going to be until a few years from now. So 
if he ends up being the stud bona fide one receiver and Dak's numbers go up and it's, you give him a hard time, then yeah, it's worth it because you know, you're hoping to draft a guy that turns into a very productive receiver. He has not been productive under John Gruden. He's had some productivity in the past, so you can see it. I mean, he's a different kind of cat, too. Um, but as far as the, the Raiders are concerned, it's a great trade if the guy turns out to be better than Cooper. If he's not better than Cooper, then it's not a good trade. Right. Just, I mean, from the – look, we could go through the numbers of Cooper and obviously what's going on there in Oakland. Just from the, the Cowboys, just for – from where I sat as this went down, it's just you only have one more year of control for Cooper before you got to pay him. As a well, you know, I, I mean that's just, that's the other thing also. Obviously, you spend the first round pick on a guy, you're you're going to want to you know redo his contract and and make sure he's there. But that's the thing that's the problem that you ran into like with Levy and Bell here trading him because last year with the Rams gave up I think a two right for Sammy Watkins mm-hmm. and he was there or three whatever two or three whatever it was thinking they resigned and he left. So you don't really want to spend a high draft pick on a guy you're going to rent. So I don't see them renting Cooper. They did this. They did their homework. I know they talked to a lot of people, um, including myself, over the weekend about the character and what kind of guy he is. And if he's fit in, I mean, they, they probably, I was probably one of a hundred people they called about him. Um, so it's you know they're not going to trade away a first round pick to rent a guy for eight weeks. So did, when, did everybody you talked to, did you say, yeah, yeah, John Gruden says this trade's not happening. Why are you calling me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Well, it was the week before, I said also he he switched it up. At first he was asking like a second rounder plus. And then at the last minute he's like, no, I want to one. Because there were teams, once I put that report out there, oh my God, I had a ton of teams call me saying, is it true they're going to trade him? What, what, what do they want? What do they want? It was like, well, they wanted a two plus a player, but then all of a sudden they switched to a one, and I don't know if they're going to stick to that or maybe they'll come down. And I had a handful of teams say, oh, we give up a two for that guy. Absolutely. NFL on Fox Insider, Jay Glazer with us here, the Jason Smith Show with Mike Carmen. Speaking of trading block now, Patrick Peterson, according to sources, has asked to be traded by the deadline. This guy is one of the top cornerbacks in the NFL. Right now, word out of Arizona is, well, officially the trade hasn't been asked for, but right now we know he's not happy. Take us inside this. No, they have teams of – so here's what happens. So teams started calling. I think the Saints were the first team to call uh, weeks ago, weeks ago, about Patrick Peterson. And then once that story happened, it, it was kind of reversed. The word got out that the Saints had called, and then it, it was almost like reported that they are shopping them. So then – so it was like the game of telephone. They were never shopping them. One team called. That got out. Then everybody thought they were shopping them. So everybody started calling. So all of a sudden, it started becoming this, this whole game of telephone non-story where everybody's calling trying to trade for Patrick. So there's been a couple teams that have called inquiring. There's been way more than a couple. Once that story came out, like, wow, you can get a guy like Patrick Peterson here going to go for it. And Steve Kahn, he's, he's told me probably five times in the past two weeks, you got to get teams to stop calling me. I'm not trading them. Like, I'm not trading the guy. Absolutely not. Plus, teams have called about Chandler Jones. Uh, and he's absolutely not he's not trading Chandler Jones, and he is insisting me. I'm trying to build a winner. I'm trying. I know the season's not going well, but I'm trying to build here. I'm trying to build around what we have. We have, still have good young talent here. I'm trying to build up talent, stockpile talent, not give it away. More trade talk. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Jacksonville. The the rumor mm-hmm. about Blake Bortles. You know, Derek Carr. Well, and they traded for Carlos Hyde. And the, when they did bring in Carlos Hyde, he can't throw the ball. And, and the very reason well. why they did that, by the way. 
is because the way they're built, there's room for Blake Bortles to, to really run the offense. It's supposed to be a smash-mouth team of right. defense and the running game. If they don't have the running game, then Blake Bortles isn't going to do much for you. If you have the running game, then he can do enough for you to obviously take them deep in the playoffs, which is what they want. Just not mess it up for us. Make the right plays. Don't give it away. We're just going to grind you out with our running backs. And they've just been hit hard by the injury bucket running back. So still no uh, no shifting in their stance of potentially bringing someone in even after the benching? I, I wouldn't say that. I mean, again, I, guys, I think this could be the, the most frantic, frenetic, hectic, crazy eight days, whatever it is, before the trade deadline that we've seen in a long time. And, and the reason why um, is – Khalil Mack from, from the Khalil Mack trade. I think some of it is well, the Eagles, what they did last year by wheeling and dealing so much. Uh, they got people to start wheeling and dealing again, and obviously Eagles win the Super Bowl. But also Khalil Mack, because teams were willing to give up such crazy deals for him, and it's worked out so well for the Bears. The teams are saying, hey, let's swing away. And now again, you see, but it's just, I, I think the Cooper trade is going to throw things out of whack because there was so much given up for him. You know, there's other receivers on the market now, and they're going to, Teams are, because the Bear, the Raiders got so much for both, teams are going to start asking for a lot more than they normally would. You can follow him on Twitter, at Jay Glazer. That is at Jay Glazer. Again, thanks so much, Jay, as always, buddy. Thanks, guys. We appreciate it. Have I'm a great night. Great stuff. We'll talk to you next week. Our buddy Look at that. Jay I can't wait. Oh, I can't wait. That, this, he's, he's not going to be able to sleep for the next day. No, he's absolutely right. This is going to be one of the biggest trade deadlines, craziest trade deadlines that we've seen in a long time because the Raiders are trading everybody. It's a fire sale. Other teams are going to say, hey, the Browns are going to say, you want Tyrod Taylor? Even at the 49ers, they, say, they should call the Jaguars and go, hey, you want C.J. Beathard? Beathard throws the football down downfield. You may want a guy. I mean, many people could change hands because now – Tanking, quote, is going to become popular in the NFL. All you need is one team to do it. The Raiders look like they're doing it. So now, because they're going to go, they're going to go all the way down to the wire that John Gruden is our guy. And if he says trade everybody, we're trading everybody. And and trust me, just watch. The Raiders are doing it. Other teams are going to start. There's going to be so many players available at the deadline this year. Watch out. Yeah, Jay's going to have like five days in a row of no sleep. Now he's going to have a phone implanted in his head. Cyborg Jay Glazer. Oh, and I can answer the there phone by, by touching my my. Now ear. you're talking. Hello, hello, hello. Twitter at How about a fresca? Mike at Swollen Dome. Always great stuff with Jay. We got more from the NFL coming up next. But first, let's find out what's trending with Deb Carson, DC. Well, Monday Night Football has come to an end. Ended up a lot closer than it looked. Most of the game, Falcons holding off the Giants 23-20. So New York falls to 1-6 and six to start the season. Atlanta picks up its third win of the season. They're just 3-4. and four. In other NFL news, the Raiders traded Amari Cooper to the Cowboys. Dallas gives up a first-round pick in next year's draft. Cardinals cornerback Patrick Peterson reportedly wants to be traded before next week's deadline. Arizona head coach Steve Wilkes said today, uh, no, I don't think so. In so many words, Jaguars will start Blake Bortles at quarterback on Sunday against the Eagles in London. In 
NHL action. The Avalanche won at the Flyers 4-1 in the Monday Discover Card Key matchup. Currently underway, Capitals lead the Canucks 2-1 with five to go in the second period. Other finals in the NHL, Hurricanes beat the Red Wings 3-1. Jets edge the Blues in OT 5-4. And if you can become a new card member, Discover Card will match all the cash back you've earned dollar for dollar at the end of your first year. Learn more at discover.com slash match. Limitations apply. And finally, guys, 18-year-old Darius Baisley decommitted from Syracuse last March, skipped joining the G League, and he has now signed a $14 million internship, they're calling it. It's mm-hmm. a shoe deal, essentially, with, yeah. with new balance, including a million bucks guaranteed. How about that? Yeah. I'd, I'd like an internship. You know, I got six fifty an hour, well, my th- very first internship. Yeah, I think I got uh, school credit and no pay. Oh, good. Well, that, that's what we do to everybody here. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, they come in. <laughs> Thanks, DC. You bet. We're live from the Geico Studios, where 15 minutes can save you 15% or more in car insurance. More info. Visit geico.com. So, we just watched the Falcons beat the Giants 23-20. to Yeah, we did. And this is where you want to come down on the side of, okay, the talent level of Odell Beckham and the talent level of Saquon Barkley and being able to realize finally that even if you think they are world-class talents, and Odell Beckham certainly is, and Saquon Barkley may be on his way, you can still have a game where your quarterback throws for three ninety nine, your running back has 100 yards of total offense and a touchdown. You have two wide receivers over 140 yards, and you still can only put 20 points on the board and lose 23-20. to 20. You want to sit here and go, oh, this is all Eli's fault. It's this, it's that. Eli was 27 for 38 for 399 and a touchdown tonight. Albeit, some of it did come in garbage time at the end when the Giants were down a couple of scores, but it doesn't mean it didn't happen. You can suck with these guys or without them. That's my whole point about Odell Beckham Jr. He is a great player, but do you win with him? You don't. You can suck without him. You can be 1-7 and without him. Yes, he finally got his second touchdown of the year. What else did he do? He dropped a two-point conversion late in the game. That's Odell Beckham. He gives, and he takes. And the bottom line is, he's not a difference maker when it comes to wins and losses. If he was a difference maker you would wind up seeing the Giants at 6-1 and one or 7-1. and one. And this is not about Odell. This is about wide receivers in general, that there's so few that you can say, okay, because you have this wide receiver, you are a great team. It takes more than that. And to say, I'm going to give $90 because the guy's a great talent, and oh my goodness, because he made the one big one-handed catch, all the other stuff he did that goes along with it, why would you do that? Why would you pay a guy like that? You draft Saquon Barkley. Guys look to be pretty good so far. He's going to be sixth in the NFL in rushing. He's going to drop down a little bit because he had a bad night tonight. He only ran for 43 yards. And still, his talent is is there. But look where you are right now. You are still 1-7. So you have two really good players, right? The rest of your team stinks. It well, but, absolutely that, but that's the stinks. biggest thing here is defensively you're struggling, right? You look at uh, every now and again you'll get a big play out of a guy like Eli Apple. And then there'll be stretches where he's toast and he's beaten with regularity. You look at your offensive line play. How many times did you see the highlight of, all right, there's another missed block. There's another missed assignment. Look at here. He goes for the double team out here. Doesn't need to, has no ability to get back and even chip the oncoming rusher. So Eli's, you know, dead, dead to rights. I mean, just standing there waiting to be hit. Not to mention Saquon Barkley the number of times and you could put him in ISO in terms of his blitz pickup attempts uh, being abysmal. And so you, there's so much more to this team. And, look, you, you pay 
whatever the salary cap is, you're, you're shuffling money around. It's like the old Chicago Cubs used to spend money. This is always the misnomer of Chicago. Well, you had a great Wrigley Field. They didn't spend it. No, they spent their asses off. <laughs> they just spent terribly on guys who were on the downside of their careers. The Giants right now look like they spent a lot of money on a tackle on a guy who was one year too far removed, which is why New England didn't bring him back in Nate's older. So you're talking about $22 million put into that position, which is failing miserably. So you want to point it. You could point at Odell. Everybody else could point at Odell and the money he got. You spent money, but you spent it terribly at other positions on the team that were supposed to make you better and allow Odell to be Odell. Twitter at How About a Fresca, Mike at Swollen Dome, the Jason Smith Show with my best friend, Mike Harmon. Uh, we'll have more on the NFL coming up at the top of the hour. Right now, just before halftime, the Lakers have pushed a big early deficit into a 65-60 game. They will go to the locker room down five. LeBron James, just four points tonight, does have five rebounds and six assists. Facilitator LeBron. The experiment of Lonzo Ball and Kyle Kuzma now starting for the Lakers because of the suspensions for Brandon Ingram and Rajon Rondo. I don't want to say I was Nostradamus, but it looks like it's working out exactly as I thought. We have that coming up next. Plus, something that happened in 2012 that if it didn't happen, we wouldn't have this World Series. What is it? Find out next on Fox. Be sure to catch live editions of the Jason Smith Show with Mike Harmon weekdays at 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific. Fox Sports Radio, the Jason Smith Show with my best friend Mike Harmon. Live from the Geico Studios where 15 minutes can save you 15% or more in car insurance. So remember earlier tonight we talked about the fallout for the Lakers following the big brawl at Staples Center on Saturday. Brandon Ingram gets a four-game suspension. Rajon Rondo out three games. Two things I said were... I don't mind this so much because sometimes brawls bring teams together and mm-hmm. other times you may find something and the Lakers may find as talented as Brandon Ingram is, they may need someone who can make shots more in this offense that is that is molded around LeBron James. And Kyle Kuzma is the closest thing to a shot maker the Lakers have. He is now starting for Brandon Ingram. The Lakers may find something. Um, first half, Kyle Kuzma. 19 points on 8 for 13 field goals. So Kyle Kuzma making shots. The Lakers trail the Spurs 65-60 at halftime. Lonzo Ball said Lonzo and LeBron's games may not mesh together. That's why I think you're going to see Lonzo play differently at different times than LeBron James does and come off the bench, but now Lonzo's got to start. Maybe they get a little bit of some kind of simpatico situation with each other. And right now you got Lonzo with 11 points and LeBron with four as the Lakers trail at halftime. So, so far, things working out a little bit for the Lakers. We'll have more on this in a second. But right now, joining us on the hotline, talk about the Falcons' 23-20 victory. we got Falcons tight end Austin Hooper, three catches, 48 yards on the game, the Falcons. Get their third win of the season. They improve now to three and four. And Austin, congratulations on the win. Yeah, it feels awesome. Thanks for having me. Uh, you know, tonight coming in, obviously not the season you guys have wanted so far. Were you looking at tonight as a way to kind of jumpstart things a bit? 
No, I mean, I feel like everyone outside the locker room thinks like that. I mean, all we focus on is the same thing. We always focus on, you know, the task at hand, the next game. I mean, it's a 16-game season for a reason. When we were 1-4, you know, everyone was saying this or that, you know. But we just, I mean, Dan Quinn does a tremendous job of just keeping our minds focused on, you know, next week. I mean, 16-game season sometimes, you know. As we've seen, it doesn't start the way you want, but that's the beauty of the length of the season. You can turn things around. So we've been just having that, you know, one-game mentality, you know, put it all in, all on the table. So I have to ask the obvious question that's taken over social media and the football world, Austin. Uh, what was the sideline like when the uh, Giants decided to go for two points, still down eight? <laughs> I mean, everybody knew what the decision was going to be. I mean, <laughs> When you're in the flow of the game, you know, you pretend, you know, you're the head coach a little bit too, so you understand and anticipate the situations that are going to happen. So, you know, we, we knew they were going to go for two, and uh, but there's definitely a lot of anxiety on that sideline, let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I like the fact that you play head coach. You should, you should go up and say, hey, I got some suggestions in the middle of the game. They might like that. <laughs> no, 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 not at all. Just, you know, just sitting back, you know, looking at the scoreboard, you know. Guessing what's going to happen next is probably a better way to put it. <laughs> hey, a big defensive effort by by you guys tonight, and that was something I, I know that you were talking about going into this game. What does this mean for the defense to play this well? I mean, it's awesome. You take a look at the guys, you know, who after the Philly game, uh, the team we played after Philadelphia, uh, that was, you know, a lot of those guys' first start. So you see them getting more and more comfortable in their roles, more and more comfortable being in certain situations so I mean it's just like anything else you know more reps more reps more reps you know the game will get slower and slower for the younger players and I think uh, we all saw that tonight awesome congratulations on the win thanks for stopping by with us here at Fox Sports Radio good luck we'll talk to you down the road absolutely thanks for having me thanks uh, awesome great stuff there we had Austin Hooper there for a couple of minutes I like it he says yeah we knew but there's a lot of anxiety on the sideline well, I like the lot fact anxiety. that you're putting yourself in the coach's cap I mean yeah. uh, obviously one of the things that flows and like guys are always in the quarterback's ear to get more, more reps, more targets along the way, and and tonight on a relative basis for him, not the big game. He he had back to back double digit target counts. This one, the Giants have defended tight ends pretty well, but had a couple of big catches uh, in key spots for them. Uh, so it's it's the all right, stay out of the quarterback's ear because he's heard enough of it. Because I know Julio's got to be in this mm-hmm. ear, and but for the head coach, then. Curiosity, right now, because certainly the Atlanta Falcons, with the start to the season, as you alluded to, as Austin came on, is they were one of the presumptive Super Bowl favorites. So mm-hmm. now it's a question: of Can you bounce things together? Now wins over Tampa Bay and the Giants. You're saying, well, they're not world-beating teams. You know what? You got to beat who's on the schedule. <laughs> the long road begins with that first step back, uh, and they've taken advantage, even even if they're narrow victories in the in the box score. A win's a win. You know, I know he's just off the field. He's spending a couple minutes with us, and that was great. And he's still rolled with a question about the two-point conversion. He's he's someone that's, that's savvy enough to know, boy, that two-point conversion was a, was a pretty big deal, and the Giants going for it. You know, even though they said they knew it was going to happen, if they do get it, and this is the whole point surrounding the Pat Shermer thing. You know, Austin said, listen, there was a lot of anxiety on the sideline going for two. If they go for two and get it, suddenly a touchdown beats us. And a touchdown and an extra point beats us instead of just tying us. Well, it changes what the offensive game plan comes to that next possession, and we can get into some other 
time management and other Pat mm-hmm. Shermer miscues in terms of decision making. <laughs> but here's and we're going to hear from Pat Shermer coming up in a few minutes. He's he's talking to the media now and he's talking about his decision to go for two, which has become the big story of this game right. when a coach goes for two when they don't have to. No, in the end, Odell Beckham Jr. just catches the ball. Nobody cares. Right, and right. Nobody, it's well, Pat Shermer yep. gutsy and he was a I, genius. I told you about Odell Beckham. This is what you get. You get a guy that's going to have 140 yards receiving and then you need a big play and a two point conversion. He drops it. But for everybody who, you know, in the timeline now in social media has been saying, this is the right call, you get down by a touchdown, the math works, all of these things, you know, this happens, it's the right call, it's the right call. Here's the thing. If it was the right call, everybody would do it. If it was the right call, everybody, when you're down two touchdowns and you score to go down a touchdown, everybody would go for two. They don't do it. No, but to, but to that point, it. though, Jason, I mean, the, the math says that you should go for it on fourth and short uh, on most points of the field. Yet, traditionally, nobody went for it. So getting coaches out of that dinosaur era has been hard enough. This is a yeah. whole other – this is a quantum well, leap, yeah, man. No, yeah, but this this is, is a quantum realm compared also, to all of this, But man. this is also what – you we talk about gaining and losing, and what a coach has to gain is so little. By this, maybe you get it's a fifty percent play. It's like throwing a jump ball in the end zone. So you're telling me, well, we get the two point conversion fifty percent of the time. Okay, so if the game's on the line, you're throwing a jump ball to the end zone. No, of course not. That's a stupid play. Nobody does it. Well, teams are stopping to do that. That's a stupid play. You wouldn't do that. But you're going to go for two when going for two still puts you down a touchdown late. You're still down. It doesn't cut. You got to kick a field goal. You're still down a touchdown when you're only going to get the ball back one more time. You're not going to be able to kick two field goals. You're going to get the ball back one more time. You still need to go down the field and get a touchdown. So that's all you have to gain is just, oh, if we score a touchdown, another one we can win. What you have to lose is incredible amounts of criticism, and you're bringing in a whole bunch of attention on something that really isn't worth it. It's it's to, to do that when the gain is so minimal, but what you lose by that is so, is so much bigger, that should stop people from doing it because you know what? Everything is played on a field, and you could say, yeah, 50% of the time you would get it. You would think 50% of the time Odell Beckham would catch a pass right in his numbers, and he didn't catch it. Well, the other side of it is also it's going to be magnified based on where the Giants are record-wise. The Giants are 4-2. Are and two. It's a different animal altogether. Twitter at How About a Fresca, Mike at Swollen Dome. We got Pat Shermer and a big thing from 2012 that affects the World Series. Fox. So what defenders of Pat Shermer are telling me is that since 1994, everybody's been doing the two-point conversion wrong. Right? Everybody's a, the, it's the math to go for two. Got a problem with that. Fox Sports Radio, the Jason Smith Show, with my best friend Mike Harmon, live from the Geico Studios, where 15 minutes can save you 15% or more in car insurance. For more info, visit geico.com. And, of course, if you miss any of the show tonight, our Best Of podcast goes up right after the show is over iTunes, Google Play, FoxSportsRadio.com. Use the iHeartRadio app. iTunes, Google Play, FoxSportsRadio.com. Let's use the iHeartRadio app. Rate us. Give us five stars. We'll love you forever and ever and ever. A game that was kind of generic. It involved the Giants, so there's a level of interest that's built in, thanks to Austin Hooper, Falcons tight end, for joining us a few minutes ago. Uh, Not to mention golf, fantasy, and gambling. Yes, well, implications. No matter what. I'm, yeah, but here you got you got a some star power, right? You yeah. got some name recognition, including Austin Hooper, who would have been started in a lot of leagues. Yeah, Odell started in a lot of leagues, and so is Saquon Shepard Barkley. Was a, a nice Shepard, ninja play Matt this week. Ryan, for sure. Tevin Coleman, Eli Ma- 
Tevin Coleman. Well, but look, if you were ever going to play Eli Manning, yes. statistically, this, this was the game, the game. Yeah, this to play it. This would have been the game I had 399 and a score, so, you know, you got there. Should have had a two-point conversion, uh, so you should have gotten another two mix therein, but... Uh, overall, a lot of and and let's not be coy about it. The late touchdown uh, by the Giants also swung a lot of money, mm. <laughs> not just for the fantasy implication, but that that pesky gambling line. But what happens in this game that becomes the big story, and you're going to hear from Pat Shermer coming up in a couple of minutes. Falcons beat the Giants by the final of twenty three twenty. Late in this game. With the Giants down two touchdowns, Saquon Barkley goes in from a couple yards out to make it 20-12. to 12. Extra point pending for the Giants. Giants then decide to go for two. They have a pretty good play. They throw it to the corner of the end zone. Odell Beckham's there, and he drops it. So the Giants are now down 20-12 to 12 instead of 20-13. to 13. They now need a touchdown and a two-point conversion in order to tie the game. In the end, it becomes... Academic because the Falcons kick a field goal to go up 23-12. to Giants get an oh-by-the-way touchdown late, so the final margin of victory is still three points. You're going to hear from Pat Shermer defending why the math tells him he should have gone for two in that situation. Doug Peterson tried it a couple weeks ago with the Eagles, and many people who are defending Pat Shermer's decision to go for two – all says the same thing. Everybody in my timeline. Everybody's now a mathematician, and then they're a probability and statistics maven. The math says it's when you go for two. The, the math says. Okay, let's 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 stop for one second. I understand that the math says go for two. If you have a percentage of chance, it's the po- possibility is a little bit over fifty percent. You go for two. The chance, the extra point is not as automatic as it was. I understand. Hey, Justin Tucker missed an extra point. Oh, Justin Tucker. How surprising was that? You see his eyes bulge out of his head. How surprising. I I thought the Mets would win the World Series before I saw Justin Tucker miss an extra point. But he did. But everybody who says the math, the math, the math, the math, the math, the math, just stop. Just stop with the math. And here's why. Getting a two-point conversion is about more than math. It's about more than the math says You can do this, and this is successful this way. There are many more variables at stake if you want to do math than just the math says you get the two-point conversion. First of all, teams would have done it by now because we've we've had the two-point conversion since 1994. So if, if the math was really right and the math worked out for teams, they would have done it before now. They would have done it before now, but now suddenly, oh, the math says, because now we're analytics crazy and we're analytics driven. And look, I'm not an anti-analytics guy. I think analytics are extremely important. You need to be new school and old school when it comes to building teams going forward now. Sometimes in some sports, it's a little bit more important than others, but I understand the importance of it. And I get it. I want the Mets to hire a GM that knows analytics and they can build a team a little bit better than just, well, it's got a bunch of guys hit home runs and play horrible defense. I mean, that's what, that's what Sandy Alderson did. So, but I don't want to make it about the Mets. So I get the math part of it, but there are so many more variables. And still, to realize that you had a great play called, and what happened? Odell Beckham dropped a pass. Well, you had it, right? Everything was great. Math was everything. Odell dropped a pass. The odds of getting the two-point conversion are still not nearly as good as kicking the extra point. Right? If you really want to go for two and win... Go for two after you get the next touchdown. If you really want that, if you really want to go for two and try to win the game, 
then go for two when you score. Hey, 20 to 13, we're down 20 to 19. I know Mike Vrabel's going to go, oh my God, I want to call and what's the phone number? 877-99 on Fox. But if you really want to go for two, go for two then. You don't go for two until you have to. That's been a rule that has served many NFL coaches well. Super Bowl winning coaches. Coaches who are incredibly have incredible winning percentages. But now suddenly, well, you know, I, the analytics say to go for it, so now it's happening. And you realize that getting a two-point conversion is much more difficult, and the gain is not great. Because if you if the Giants get the two-point conversion, right, they're down 20-14, to 14, they're down six, what changes in the game? The Falcons are still trying to run the clock out to get a first down. They're still trying to get the ball down the field. They're not going to throw if they don't have to because they are still protecting a touchdown lead. All they have to do is keep the Giants out of the end zone, and they win the game. So the so the Falcons' offense doesn't change. Could it give them a little bit of anxiety? Yes. Austin Hooper said there was anxiety on the sideline. They were going for two because no one liked the, the image of, boy, now we're only up six and a touchdown and an extra point can beat us instead of tying us. But it still doesn't change what you have to do on offense. You have to get first downs, kill the clock. What did the Falcons do? They still got first downs. They drove down. They kicked a field goal. And they clinched the game. I mean, nothing would have changed from the Falcons' offensive perspective. So I get the whole thinking surrounding it, but just by saying math, 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 it's not math. It's not if I sit down and do this math equation right, I get a two-point conversion. There's so many other variables because this is an NFL game on an NFL field. Still a lot of variables going into the conversion of a PAT. <laughs> as we, but there's as less, we know, but no, there's less no, than, but it, but than, I, con- than converting a two-point conversion. But I, but I do like the when we go through it beyond just the math, it's the you're playing to win the game. To quote Herm Edwards, as opposed to we'll tie and then we'll have another coin flip in the in the overtime, which is another 50-50 proposition. So in this case, you're saying we're aggressively going to I, – I, I dig it. It's like going for fourth downs. I like that people are starting to buck convention, like the way I said that. Uh, and you can say, hey, let's – the math mm-hmm. and, and – Look, you got also got to have some faith in your guys. If it's fourth and one and a half, you got to think that your offensive line's getting you your one and a half instead of let's play for a field goal. How many te- how many teams? How many times has your team broken your soul playing for a field goal that ends up being a miss or something goes to hell? Ah, oh, there's a false start. There's a holding penalty. There's whatever. In this case, plenty of times, but that wouldn't make the top hundred for the Jets. But I get no. Your point. I but I the, but the point being that yeah. you know you do the the conservative old school approach and it still bites you in the ass quite often in the National Football League. In this case, you're going for two, and you're saying, all right, if we get the ball back, we score a touchdown, now we kick our, our extra point, and we win. We're not going to overtime. Part of it is also going to be the psychology of where your team is and what you're doing. But you're you're looking at it from, from the math perspective, There's as it bears out. I have not broken out my whiteboard, so I'm going off mm-hmm. of the math uh, being proffered by those Maybe smarter than I, but certainly those who've taken the time to break this down, saying it's a 60% proposition. Because since 1994, you're looking at a 48.9 or something like that percentage of two-point conversions. So if you miss the first one, you're still, worst scenario, if you do your job defensively, which Mm -hmm. is always a key. Because you still are going to have to play defense. They don't want outside kick in scenarios as well, which is leaving me confused. Yeah, we're going to do it and, and we're not going to kick. Yeah. And quarterback sneaks when you got no time. Time management, clock management. Shermer should be getting murdered for those, not necessarily for this particular call cuz well, no, I here's where I just here's I'm going to go math on you. I love all the math we're doing here. You you don't do math, so um, this should be interesting. And is that 
What's it what's it easier to do? You have a 50%. Let, let's let's put it right at 50% to get a two-point conversion, mm-hmm. all right? So that means you're going to get one and you're going to miss one. If sure. you want to do math. Sure. So if you get one and you miss one, then that's still going to be 14 points. No, that's fine. But right. here's the but here's the thing, Jason, is then we're still tied. Right? If I get my 50% Right? Then you're tied. Right? And then I've got another coin flip for overtime, which is another coin flip I don't want to have if I don't have Yeah, to. but you still with the new rule changes, it's not as big a deal as okay, we're we're gonna we're gonna give the ball up, a team's gonna no, go but kick sti- a field but goal. But statistic and win. well, I mean, obviously it's a new world order with a ten minute clock and we've got a few ties to show for it. But you're you're still adding the extra variable of an overtime where you can still lose. Or you could win. I mean, it's but, still, but it's, it's another 50-50 coin flip at this point statistically. It's not. It's if you wanted to do the two point conversion, is it easier to convert a fifty percent play twice, or is it easier to convert an eighty five percent play twice? Because that's about what what extra points are. But again, like but again, we're going to the ph- philosophy of: Am I playing for the extra ten minutes? Or do you're I want play, to win in regulation? Win. You're playing to right, win. Right, so now you're right? playing to win but if you but go that for sometimes two. sometimes counts going to overtime. I'm sorry that you're down two, two touchdowns, but now if you're scoring two touchdowns late, you have the momentum going in, you've moved up and down the field, you're trying to win. To put all of it on a 50-50 play, and that's really what... But that's not what he did here. And that's what Mike Vrabel did. He put it on a 50-50 play to win or lose the game. Sure. I need, I need a better percentage of that if I'm going to put it on that play. If... Getting a two-point conversion was, say, 75 or 80%. Yeah, I'm with you. Okay, that's the math. I can say, look, three out of four times you're going to get it. All right, fine. But 50%, it, it's it's not worth it. Well, but it, but that's that's a different scenario, right? Now you're playing to, to overtime, but you're going 50-50. You're going 50-50 uh, between converting the two-point conversion at the end of the game like the Titans tried and then whether you can win or not in overtime. Where Shermer did it, the math still makes sense. All right, let's listen to Pat Shermer try to explain the math and going for two. Here he is uh, just a couple minutes ago explaining it to the media. From an offensive perspective, we got to score touchdowns when we get down there. And, again, we did a good job of moving the ball. we got to score touchdowns. And uh, I'm sure you'll have some questions about the uh, two-point play. I, I just felt like, and you know, we've discussed, you know, internally the math on that. I, th- I just felt like, I felt like we had a good play. And I, I liked our two-point play selections. And uh, we just didn't quite get it done. But um, at the end there, you saw, had they not kicked the field goal, I felt good about our second two-point play, which we scored on at the end. So, um, you know, I felt like I wanted to be aggressive for our guys. Uh, you know, I saw you saw where I went for it on, on fourth down. You know, we were struggling to move the ball. We were that close. Again, we felt like we had a play. You know, I think initially I thought Odell had popped open from my view. I, I, the coverage was probably a little tighter for, than what I had seen. Um, and so uh, so Eli extended the play a little bit. You know, you saw he had run on one of the nakeds earlier in the drive, maybe thinking he could run. And then, um, you know, it was a little tighter coverage on the rest of the guys. So uh, we didn't get it done. Um, again, shouldn't be any questions about how hard our guys fight. Uh, we just got to execute better. He loves we that. Get in the end zone he loves saying, make percentage. sure guys play well. And we got to eliminate the big plays. We fought. And, um, so those are things that we can point to as we move forward. We aren't doing the math. We're getting ready to play the Washington Redskins here in about six days. So Standing in the back, Dave. You increase your chances by 50% if you go for it and make it there. So that's, that's what you do. 
Because then if we score a touchdown, we just kick the extra point and win. And I felt good about the two-point play. You guys saw that I think we got the ball in there, right? And we just didn't connect on it. So. All right, wait, stop it right here. So I like how he just says, I like how he says, you increase it by 50% if you get it. Uh, uh, the, the word in there that's operative is if. It's not like it's a fait accompli or it's a great chance. It's a 50-50 play, and that's an unnecessary risk. You know, if it was, like I said, if it was higher, I could see it. But it's saying, but if, but if, but if. Okay, it's, it's, this is outsmarting yourself and thinking, okay, this math, I'm going to try to embrace it and see if it really works. But as you can see, that's not the case. And I, I understand everything you're going to tell me about this, and I understand every bit of math, but now he says, well, if we got it, we just needed to get that one at the end, and then, as you saw, we got it. All right, let's go back. You didn't get the first one. So now you need a 50-50 play just to tie the game if you get that touchdown. You're all talking about going down the field, getting a touchdown, and then having another two-point play that you're going to run. So now, suddenly, instead of an extra point that makes it 20-13, to 13, you need a two-point conversion just to tie it, just to get to overtime, which is the coin flip you say it is. So that still isn't worth it to me because it is a toss-up play, and that's what that's what nobody wants to continue on to go. Well, if it's 55 or 47 or 48 or 50, sometimes it's 60. That's not good enough. That that that's not. I, I don't want a chance like that. If I need if I need something to succeed, right? Do I want a 90 percent chance at something, or do I want? a 50 to 53% chance of something. I want 90% chance. I'd rather do something 90% twice than 50% one out of two or two out of two. That That's just, just how I look at things. And I understand, you know, when people talk about the math, it says, it, yeah, in a vacuum it does. But there's so many other things that you have to realize could derail that play. And there's more things to derail a two-point conversion than there are to derail an extra point. Well, obviously this is now another uh – part of the statistical sample that'll take it to less than 50% just right. so you can feel better about yourself, Jason. Uh, with this one, now it's under 50%. You, you'll, yeah. you'll feel slightly better about your, your Look, take. There's, well, here, Mike, Mike, other coaches who are really smart, they would do it. Bill Belichick would do it all the time. Right, nobody. If certainly, if there was a better chance for them to win, he would do it every single time. We're going for two here. Why? Well, Massa, you know he would do it. Other really, Mike Tomlin would do it. Many. Well, Mike Tomlin would already do does Mike, almost uh, always. All the time. Went, well, they went <laughs> through that, that rip where they went through. They, two they every go. They go time. through a lot of that. But but that but that was just the saying we're going to do it every single time. Not when the math tells us we're down, we're here, we're this, we're that. But and notice they don't do it as much anymore. But many other teams would do it. It would become a it would become a bigger thing. Other coaches they would say, but, "Hey, okay." But that's the question of in all sports and all of life, you need first adopters. You need those first couple of coaches to say, "You know what? Here's what the math says. Here's what history tells us about about overtime periods and wins and losses and whatever else." And and do we want to put ourselves there? And I think for Pat Shermer, part of it was let's eliminate one of those variables. Let's kick. Overtime to the curb because we don't we can't stay for another fifth another ten minutes now. Used to be fifteen. You know who else needed new adopters? New Coke. Never got it. Why? It was a bad product. So nobody nobody adopted it. They went back to old Coke. Well, but that but there's there's the question, right? Can you get it to work? And you need folks to at least push the envelope. You wouldn't have that that phone that you live on. If people didn't try which, new which things, which I left home today, so it doesn't work. You didn't leave today. You, I you left forgot it, it. Yeah, wow. I have no phone. That's like good. Nobody knows where I am. That's you know, fantastic. Wow. Nobody knows, except if you're listening to the show. Hi. Twitter at How About a Fresca, Mike at Swollen Dome, the Jason Smith Show with my best friend, Mike Garman. Lakers now trail the Spurs by six. 
Kyle Kuzma having a huge night. Make that by three. The Lakers on their way back at Staples. Coming up next, a trade in 2012. If it didn't happen, we would have different teams in the World Series right now. Why? Find out next. Fox. I hate that song. Fox Sports Radio, the Jason Smith Show with my best friend, Mike Harmon. Live from the Geico Studios, where 15 minutes can save you 15% or more on car insurance. We'll have more in the NFL coming up in a bit, but less than 24 hours away from Game 1 of the World Series, Clayton Kershaw, Chris Sale, had something not happened in 2012, neither of these teams would be in the World Series now. If you remember, it was back in the offseason when the Dodgers, or back in the 2012 season, the Dodgers completed a trade that sent Josh Beckett Adrian Gonzalez, Carl Crawford, and Nick Punto. I <laughs> like how Nick Punto got put in the Well, you know, you got to add him in. Uh, for James Loney and four prospects. None of the prospects really turned into anybody. Rubby De La Rosa's pitched a little while. A couple of them were flipped for other players. One of them was traded for Wade Miley, who we saw in the NLCS. We did, yep. But none of the players have really turned into, oh, my goodness, some of these, some of these guys that the Red Sox got turned into stars. But that was the trade. Beckett? Gonzalez, Crawford, and Punto for James Loney and four prospects. That's Alan like Webster, the- Jerry Sands, Von DeHaze. Jerry Sands. Yeah, Jerry Sands. Remember, huh? remember the hype around him? Oh, yeah. yeah no, he had, a, yeah. he had a big run. You could get <laughs> decent money for his uh, rookie cards. Uh, well, until you couldn't. Uh, right. But for the Red Sox, that's an awful lot of salary going one way. Right. And this, and this is the thing. The Red Sox made this trade because – they wanted to dump all of these guys. This is this was the chicken and beer team. For yeah, the Red Sox yeah, it was. All they were doing is drinking beer and eating chicken in the clubhouse. That's which, not a bad strategy. No, I like that. Although it's tough, chicken and beer, it doesn't really go all together. Well, it was a great a, album by Ludacris, who we saw beer. on the broadcast tonight. Yeah, well, we also saw uh, Lil Yachty. Yeah, we did. We saw Lil Yachty. <laughs> what about Big Yachty? But no, no, they got to save him for a bigger game. Yeah, this oh, I mean the Giants that, when the, when the Super Bowl's in Atlanta. Yeah, the Giants we, and the Falcons. If we go to Radio Row, them. do we yeah. get to interview Big Yachty? <laughs> uh, I'd like Big Yachty to show. So the Red Sox made this trade to dump all of this salary. This is over a hundred million dollars in salary. If this trade is not made, neither of these teams are in the World Series. For the Red Sox, it's kind of easy to see because they wanted to get rid of these guys. It wasn't working, and they didn't want to trade Adrian Gonzalez, but this is He was the centerpiece of the deal. The Dodgers at that time wanted somebody who was going to rake and be a good community guy and, and help rebuild the image of the Dodgers. And so they get Gonzalez, who for four years was awesome. He was 35 and over 100 every year. He was fantastic. Beckett stunk. And Carl Crawford, Carl Crawford was like uh, the um, the baseball version of the Hunger Games trilogy. Okay. Okay? Like the first book, Hunger Games was fantastic. It was such a good book. It was so different. It was one of the one of the greatest books I've ever read. And then the second book was not quite as good as the first. Well, you're already building on right? a, a you already have your premise. So I mean, what then, what are you doing to extend that? Yeah, and then the third book was not quite as good as the second book, which was not quite as good as the first book. They suck. That was Carl Crawford was the first book in Tampa. Then he was the second book in yeah. Boston, and then he was the third book in Los Angeles. None of these guys outside of Adrian Gonzalez turned out. But this is when the Dodgers were making a whole bunch of trades like this. And Ned Coletti was, yes, we'll take on all the salary. They were making all kinds of money. Yes, yes, yes. We'll take it all. We'll take it all in. 
The Red Sox clear out the guys they don't want. They are able to extend the players they do want, and they're able to continue to afford now guys like Mookie Betts, who they don't have to worry about paying yet. And they were able to build a team into the team that won the World Series in 2013. So what the Red Sox did was all these guys, we were on the hook for so many years, these guys' contracts, they got rid of them, paid the guys they wanted to, but that gave them flexibility to keep their young stars now. This was a very big deal. So the Red Sox, it's easy to see why they did it. But the Dodgers is also why it got built this way, because they made this move, and this was an awful move. This turned out terribly for the Dodgers, right? It was just Adrian Gonzalez, and Beckett's been gone, and 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 so is Crawford, and it was only Gonzalez. And by the time they got to the World Series, Adrian Gonzalez was a spare part, right? Last year, he was hurt, not even with the team, was in Italy when the World Series came about. So how did this trade build the Dodgers? This was the last big trade of the former Dodgers front office. Now, Andrew Friedman comes in, and things are run differently. Would the Dodgers ever make a trade like this again? Of course not. But because this trade went so bad, the Dodgers needed, well, we have to change our philosophy in how we do things. So now a little bit more money ball came in, a bit of a different attitude, a different way of doing business. And what have the Dodgers done? They've built a team that is very deep. They have four guys on the bench every night that could start for almost any other team in the major leagues. They have a pretty good bullpen, and they've, they've been able to develop a couple of young starting pitchers, so they've not relied on Kershaw. And now where are they? Back-to-back World Series. So had they not gone through this really bad time of, boy, the bloated contracts and the, and the, and, and the guys making $20 million a year is not working out for us, they would not have changed course. And if they don't change course, they're still sitting somewhere trying to compete in the West, and they're just a team like the Mets. We're going to sign a bunch of guys, give them some money for a couple of years, and see if they can hit home runs. That's not how this team is built. And now you can take it a step further and say, all right, the team is built this way. Do you think they're going to give Manny Machado $300 million in the offseason? Do you think they're going to extend Clayton Kershaw for seven more years and $250 million? Do you think they're going to go give Bryce Harper $300 million? That's not what this Dodgers front office does. So not only have they built a World Series caliber team two years in a row, but they've also given you a window into, oh, okay, maybe we're not down for these guys for seven, eight years, like Bryce Harper's going to want, like what Kershaw's going to want if he opts out, and like what Manny Machado's going to want. So there's that. There's the the current part for the Dodgers and the future aspect as well. Well, and that's the biggest part of any of these organizations. You strip it down to the studs. You go back to what the Cubs did. They changed out their whole scouting team, changed out a lot of the front office, went to the analytics, and all of a sudden, what did you have? A, a total growth of homegrown players that became major contributors across the board. So good draft strategy, and then throughout their minor leagues, they, they re-upped and changed out a number of managers and coachings at each level to try to do that. Dodgers, same thing, right? Where you you, you have a, a you still have moneyed guys. I mean, you, you have a you're printing cash uh, when it comes down to it, and you have the Brinks truck at your disposal, given ownership and what you want to do. But you needed those homegrown guys, and now you get to have the the fun decision making process of a Machado, of a Harper. You can do it. Do you want to do it for eight years, or are you looking at, hey, we'll we'll give you a, a little extra juice, but let's let's agree on three or four because mm-hmm. we don't want to be locked in, especially because some of these younger guys, you're going to have to pay them because that's the decision that the Dodgers have to make and that the Yankees have to make uh, going forward is that you've got a lot of this homegrown talent that hasn't gotten their their big novelty check yet. 
So they're all lining up soon enough. So we'll see what the next iteration of is. But certainly going back to that trade, you saw the organizational philosophies differ. And now here we are ready for what should be a fun fall classic. Twitter at How About a Fresca, Mike at Swollen Dome, the Jason Smith Show with my best friend, Mike Harmon. Tonight's show brought to you by Discover Card. We treat you like you treat you. Coming up in a minute, we'll give you our official picks for the World Series, who the biggest X-Factors are. But right now, speaking of X-Factors, there's a couple of big ones going on right now in L.A., the Lakers and LeBron, a big nip-tuck battle with the Spurs. Deb Carson has that and more. With what's trending, DC. That's right. In fact, uh, the Lakers had a, they have just tied the game. It's 105 apiece now for the Lakers and the Spurs. Of course, Brandon Ingram and Rajon Rondo suspended tonight. So Kyle Kuzma in playing for Ingram. He leads the Lakers with 28 points. LeBron James just 17 on 6 of 14 shooting. And again, right now, as I look at it, it's 105 apiece for San Antonio and the Lakers. 8.56 to go in the fourth quarter. Warriors with a 112.85 home lead over the Suns fourth quarter. Early overtime in Portland. Wizards lead the Trailblazers 114-113. We now know the starting rotation at least for the first three games for LA in the World Series. Clayton Kershaw will be on the hill for game one Tuesday at Fenway, 8 Eastern first pitch. I mean, I really want to win the World Series. I think that's no different than the other 50 guys in both locker rooms, though. I think it doesn't I think the only difference maybe is that because we've gotten so close in the past, because we've gotten to go to the postseason, we're a little bit spoiled in our expectations every year with the Dodgers, which is a great thing. So Kershaw starting for the Dodgers. Chris Sale on the hill for Boston. Game two, Hunjin Ryu versus David Price. And we now know Walker Bueller will be on the hill Friday back in L.A. for game three. No starter named just yet for Boston. Online car shopping can be confusing. Not anymore with True Price from True Car. Now you can know the exact price you'll pay for your next car. Visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience and Monday Night Football finally Falcons edging the Giants 23-20 Atlanta improving to 3-4 and four. Giants a dismal 1-6 and six to start the season well dismal unless you're tanking Deb this then, is true then you're a happy 1-6 <laughs> and six. there you go exactly yes are you going to go for a quarterback this time yeah no 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 no. we're going to get another running back because that's how good we are Eli's got a couple more years in him right oh yeah, yeah. they'll sign him to an extension <laughs> and then say it. thanks a bunch DC you're welcome we're live from the Geico Studios, where 15 minutes can save you 15% or more in car insurance. More info. Visit Geico.com. Hey, Jason, there was a uh, big moment in this Lakers-Spurs game. Right before the fourth quarter, they bring the fan out for the half-court shot. Drained it for thirty grand. Wow. Then tried to head over to the Lakers bench. Security stopped him from getting any closer. To Did he really place. try to get to the bench? Yes. <laughs> Wanted to go get high fives and the security just Did gave him like the nod. Did he away pants? He had the jersey. I'm ready my, to go. Hey, I, I'm ready to go They've play. been looking for a shooter. Ready to go, ready Let's to go. Let's go. Look, it's my security. I'm going to turn out to be the best head coach the Lakers possibly could have after what could turn out tonight. You are Lakers news. and the Spurs. No, absolutely. 100%. My idea, what I said could happen is actually happening at this moment. For the Lakers. Seems like you should go out and buy some lottery tickets. Uh, there might be a prize in it for look, you. Look, really quick. I told you, the brawl on Saturday that saw the suspensions <coughs> of Brandon Ingram and Rajon Rondo may not be the worst thing for the Lakers because, number one, sometimes brawls like that bring teams together. Number two, the Lakers may need the shot-making of Kyle Kuzma more than they need the athleticism of Brandon Ingram. This is because the team is built about around LeBron James, and he knows what he needs to succeed. 
Doesn't mean Brandon Ingram is less talented than Kyle Kuzma, but it means that this may be what the Lakers' offense needs. And so far tonight, what's going on with the Spurs and the Lakers? 110-109, Kyle Kuzma has 30. He is 12 for 21 from the floor. The Lakers were down by 18 in the first quarter. They have battled back to take the lead. LeBron James closing in on a triple-double with 20 points, 9 assists, and 7 rebounds. So, uh, I'll be replacing Luke Walton as Lakers head coach, and uh, probably we'll start with the next game. Give it a couple more games. They LeBron might decide to do that anyway. <laughs> but we'll give you more on this again. There is still six and a half minutes to go in the game. Lakers and the Spurs. Spurs just hit a big three ball, so now they're up 115 to 110. Yay. But with the World Series coming up tomorrow, give you our official picks for the Fall Classic, and one of the big X factors is what's going to lead me to my pick. Okay. For the Red Sox, the bullpen is a very big X factor because this is a bad bullpen, and they could regress to the mean in the World Series. They have been the second-best bullpen behind the Dodgers overall in the playoffs, and I think that's no coincidence. The two teams that are playing for the World Series both have the best bullpens. The Dodgers' bullpen, Red Sox' bullpen, better than the Brewers' bullpen. But but right? the interesting the thing, though, bullpen. is right, much maligned yeah. over the course of the regular season. What do we talk about here in Los Angeles where we come to you from the Geico Studios? A lot about that bullpen. Kenley Jansen's mm-hmm. health, but also his uh, – propensity to give up moonshots mm-hmm. with some regularity. <laughs> uh, how many times did we talk about the home crowd booing one reliever or another upon his appearance just coming out of the bullpen, walking towards the mound, let alone any performance <laughs> Don't that night? Walk towards the mound, I'm going to boo Wait, you. that guy again? But here's what's going to happen. I like the Dodgers in five. I know they're the underdogs, but it was good they had to grind to get here. It wasn't the year they had last year where everything went right, even when a couple of guys got hurt, it doesn't matter. They grinded to get here. They are more prepared for the World Series than they were a year ago. Craig Kimbrell is the biggest of the Boston X-Factors. He has been very untrustworthy in the bullpen. Supposedly, his issues have been fixed. He had a conversation with former Dodger closer Eric Gagne about not tipping pitches, and supposedly the issues are fixed, but still... Craig Kimbrell is a high wire act. Red Sox fans cringe every time he comes into the game. He is going to blow a save at some point in the series, and that is where momentum will leave the Red Sox, go to the Dodgers forever, and the Dodgers win the series. It could be in the ninth inning of game two. It could be game three. It could be game one. He will blow a save. The Dodgers will win the game, and that will be the turning point of the World Series Dodgers win in five. I like the way you added that in. I, I think it goes to six. I think those bullpen woes certainly do play in. I'm just curious, what do you do with a guy who can't field but hit 43 home runs over the year? You so know, when that's... you get to game three, coming back to Dodger Stadium and Walker yeah. Bueller on the mound, J.D. Martinez, you're going to get to wave at him as he's sitting on the bench unless they get creative and get him on the field. And then you know what I'm doing? I'm doing anything I can to hit it his way. <laughs> but it's tough because the, the Red Sox value – defense so much it's are they really going to find a way to jam him on the field are they going to say no I mean it's enough saying Mookie Betts might play second Second base base, yeah but that's enough but to say okay that's really hard and I know that it's a guy 43 home runs and that's tough but they value defense over a lot of things in Boston do not be surprised yeah so it'll be very curious to see how he's used and I think that's the x factor in all this is that you have such a dominant offensive player 
who might be neutralized. I almost said neutered. Neutralized in this game. Just because he's going to be able to sit and swing a bat in the clubhouse the entire time. But that's a really big deal is that when you change parks from the AL to the NL, right? Here's why the Dodgers have such a big advantage over the Red Sox in this is because obviously when you go to the American League and you add a DH, well, you could say, well, nationally, that's a great addition for them. But sometimes your DH is just your fourth outfielder. No, that's it. It's a guy it's... who's just okay. And, like, you're putting that guy in the lineup. That's like, that's okay. But meanwhile, the DH for the American League team is a guy that's hit 40 home runs and knocked in 120 runs because that's how they build their team. Right. So you're just throwing a guy out there who's got maybe 15 home runs and 65 RBIs. It's 260. So, But the Dodgers can put a guy out there with 35 home runs. The Dodgers can say, okay, tonight, Max Muncy's our DH. Or tonight, Yasiel Puig is our DH. Tonight, Cody Bellinger's going to DH. We're going to get so-and-so on the field. Brian Dozier's going to be. They can put guys out there that are huge hitting threats. So that's not that's more of an advantage as to when the Red Sox come to Los Angeles, it's going to be a guy with 43 home runs likely who could be sitting on the bench. And that's that's a huge, it's, it's a much better advantage for the Dodgers going to Boston as it is for Boston going to L.A. Well, that's it. As you, you talk about the way this Dodgers team is constructed, say nothing about defense, right? Your NLCS MVP, Bellinger, part of the reason he won, it wasn't because he hit with great proficiency. He had a couple of timely hits, and he made a great catch. And you look at Taylor and what he did in the outfield. You got guys that can make plays, but you have a a three-outcome team. And as much as we've bemoaned it with some regularity over the course of the year when they'd go into funks here in Los Angeles, that's also perfect for this time of year and sliding one of those guys into a DH role. Twitter at How About a Fresca, Mike at Swollen Dome. We got more NFL on the way. A big trade goes down in the National Football League. We break down the winners and the obvious losers. Sorry, did I say obvious? You said obvious. Yeah, but we do that next on Fox. I hate that song. Be sure to catch live editions of the Jason Smith Show with Mike Harmon weekdays at 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Fox Sports Radio, the Jason Smith Show with my best friend, Mike Harmon, live from the Geico Studios. About three minutes to go in the fourth quarter, Lakers trail the Spurs 120-118. to 118. LeBron James, 24 points, 9 assists, 8 rebounds. LeBron James. Kyle Kuzma starting for the suspended Brandon Ingram, 32 points on 13 of 22 shooting. Meanwhile, Lonzo Ball, 11 points and 5 assists as he is starting for Rajon Rondo. Boy, if you started Kuzma in your daily fantasy league, look at you. You You know, not that I said he was going to have a big night, but I kind of said he might have a big night. No, you you hoped he would. You didn't say he would. No, I kind of predicted. No, you you, you kind of said this could be good. I said you have to. Listen, I could coach the Lakers. We'll get into that after the game is over. Right now, again. How is this game still going, though? 118. Uh, There's no defense no, being played anymore. whatsoever. No. Every game is like 135, 125 now. I, I mean, wish really. someone would start a fight. <laughs> Just to slow the game down, we need a fight. No, no, no. It's slow like, it down. Look, pace of play is already way too slow. Slow I it mean, down. A lot of points generated, a lot of timeouts, a lot of free throws. Uh, but again, uh, Lakers down by three with just under three minutes left to play. Earlier today, we'll have more on the Monday night game between the Giants and the Falcons, won by the Falcons coming up in 10 minutes. The Raiders finally found a taker for Amari Cooper. The Dallas Cowboys, in the words of GM Reggie McKenzie, 
I got a phone call this morning from Stephen Jones. He had the pick we want. We had the player he wanted, so we did the deal. So a guy who's been a jag wide receiver for two years, Amari Cooper, gets turned into a first-round pick. The Cowboys give up for him. So the Raiders, congratulations. You fleeced the Cowboys. I don't know how. Look, I, I, you give away Khalil Mack, but then you get a first-round pick for a guy who is a jag and is going to be a free agent in a year. So big day for the Raiders. I give them a lot of credit because they, they got made a good deal. Can I, can I throw in a, a quick thing here, though? I've seen on Twitter and Facebook and all sorts of media all day people trying to draw the comparison to what the Patriots gave up for Josh Gordon. Mm. Amari Cooper, you may not like his output. You may look at the disparity between how many fewer than 30 games, 30 receiving yard games he has versus 100-yard games. It's about a 3-to-1 ratio on the mm-hmm. downside. He hasn't been suspended for years at a time. <laughs> Okay, so while you may like Josh Gordon's talent immensely, one slip up and he never sees the field again. <laughs> this is the thing about the Dallas Cowboys is that, well, obviously, should they give him a first-round pick? No, this is a Jerry Jones special. All right, this is like if I went to the clearance bin at a supermarket and I pick something out, I'm not going to the register saying, no, I want to pay double. You don't, pay, you don't give up a first-round pick for Amari Cooper. He's just not good enough. But the Cowboys did it. A bigger thing is why, because the Cowboys have been so mismanaged the last couple of years, this is all they have, is to be able to go bargain basement hunting. They got themselves in such salary cap hell, they have to take chances in every NFL draft. Why do they take guys like Lyle Collins or somebody with a character concern or someone who's with an injury history but has first-round talent? because they can't pay for anybody else. They have no choice but to make these moves. They have no choice but to make a trade for Amari Cooper because there's nowhere else they can get guys like this. So this is how they've been mismanaged. They are back to being the Dallas Cowboys. They were like 12 years ago. And this is not going to be something that is going to be looked back at and say, boy, here's a turning point for the Dallas Cowboys. Amari Cooper is just a guy. He's been just a guy. If you need him, I get it. But to give up a first-round pick – That's just ludicrous, especially a guy who in a year is walking away when the Cowboys conceivably could continue to suck, and suddenly that first-round pick looks really good for the Raiders. Uh, The Cowboys completely mismanaged everything, and it's not just this trade. It's because of everything else that came up to this trade is why they had to make this move. Well, it's the danger of thinking you're better than you are, right? You you make this move because you're three and four, and you say, you know what? It's the East. We've got a shot. Is this guy making you that much better? <laughs> that's that's the big question here. If you if he, you're going all in, that he's the difference maker to make you a potentially a wild card team, perhaps go and steal the division while Philly still tries to figure itself out, and you still have Washington that we don't know how much we like them. So I, I guess that's what you're playing for because Cooper's only got one more year on his deal. Mm-hmm. Like that's the big part of this is that there's no longevity here, and the price for wide receivers has gone us up astronomically. Is that the guy you want to bet on? Twitter at how about a fresca? Mike at Swollen Dome, the Jason Smith Show with Mike Harmon. Coming up next, you'll hear from Eli Manning, and meth is the biggest story of the night. Fox Sports Radio. My goodness. Yeah, I know. I'm still still talking about that Giants-Falcons game, too. I mean, that was something else. Yes, sir, brownies. (laughs) With my best friend, Mike Harmon. Live from the Geico Studios, where 15 minutes can save you 15% or more in car insurance. For more info, visit geico.com. 
We have overtime in L.A. Spurs and the Lakers, 128 apiece. How did we get here? The Spurs were up six with about 20 seconds left. LeBron James drives to the hoop, finds Kyle Kuzma in the corner for a three. Kuzma is good. Make it a three-point game. Kuzma now with 37, starting in place of Brandon Ingram. Spurs go down. They miss. Lakers get the rebound with about eight seconds left. LeBron gets hit in the head, so it looks like he wants to call a timeout. Luke Walton says, no, keep playing. Play on! The rebound rebound (laughs) gets passed up to LeBron, who dribbles over center court and gets about three steps or maybe two steps back of the three-point line, and he lets fly a three that ties the game and sends it to overtime. This was a play that I was stunned because the Spurs were very discombobulated. For some reason, I don't know they realized the Lakers absolutely had to have a three because the closest defender <laughs> was about six feet away from LeBron when he puts up the shot. Yeah, buddy. I mean, you got it. Popovich has got to be going, you got to be kidding me. But that's they just tail of the three. But that's they the whole night. Three. That's the whole night, though. Is there's been no defense played, no logic. Yeah, but this situational defense, you got to see. Sure. Yeah, all of a sudden they're going to cinch up. Come on, man. They need a three. (laughs) LeBron is going to take it, get in his face because he's going to take it. And he takes one. And it wasn't like a really deep three. It was two steps behind the three-point line. And he makes it. Well, he's two for 16 from three-point range to start the season. <laughs> so I think to some degree it was just disrupt him enough. He's not. He's broke from out there. Well, you knew you knew he was due. Uh, so let's hear. Was it what, greater than 50% or not? <laughs> oh! Well, you have no choice. You have no point. point. Yeah, exactly. Uh, before we get into math and the National <laughs> Football League, let's hear LeBron's game-tying shots. They're down by three. They can tie the game with seven, with six. And here's LeBron. LeBron for the tie. Lakers TV, Spectrum, Sportsnet on the call. They are now just under the four-minute mark in overtime, 130 to 130. Uh, LaMarcus Aldridge has 36 points for the Spurs. Meanwhile, for the Lakers, as I said, Kyle Kuzma with 37. LeBron James, two rebounds away from a triple-double, 29 points, 11 assists, eight boards. Lonzo Ball, 11 points, five assists for the Lakers in 29 minutes. 8-0 run in the final minute, two seconds to get to overtime. And again, he, he hadn't been able to hit find his outside shot three <laughs> games. Yet here, the dagger and the pose and the stare down. What we saw during the preseason, I, I think I kind of went off on him a bit. Here, you know, pose for the good people. They, they paid a lot of money for this game. <laughs> So we'll keep you posted on this one. They're in a timeout right now. Lakers have now pushed out to a 134-130 lead. Uh, Just under three and a half minutes left to go. Defense. Like I said, (laughs) this could be what the Lakers need. I mean, I'm not the coach of the team, but I could be after tonight. I don't I don't I think LeBron will be tripping over his tongue if they play at this pace (laughs) for the course of a regular season. But earlier tonight we watched the Giants and the Falcons, Monday night football, and the Falcons beat the Giants twenty three to twenty. This is a game that was not really a very exciting game. It was low scoring for a long time. The Giants had six points through three quarters, and both of their touchdowns were late when the Falcons were up and had more than a one-touchdown lead. The first point to make about the Giants is not to... Look, tonight was a night that Eli still had a pretty good game. 
Eli didn't play poorly. Yes, the Giants' touchdowns were in garbage time, but Eli threw for 399 in a touchdown tonight. Didn't have an interception, got sacked four times, 27 out of 38, so he completed over 60% of his passes. Saquon Barkley had about 100 yards of total offense and a touchdown, and both Odell Beckham Jr. and Sterling Shepard were over 140 yards receiving. Odell catching a touchdown late, and Shepard was 5 for 167. This is what I mean when I say things like when you pay Odell Beckham, that's not the best thing you can do with your money. And drafting Saquon Barkley at number two is not going to say suddenly say we're going to be a great team. To take the, the personality stuff out of it for a second on Odell Beckham, let's just deal with the fact that he's an incredibly talented wide receiver, right? But you get what you get with Odell. On the field, you get great play, and then you get things that, boy, well, how did that happen? You had 140 in a touchdown tonight. You also had a very big dropped two-point conversion the Giants went for late that he should have caught. was in his hands in the end zone, and, and he dropped it. See, that's, but, that's the fun thing with the Odell Beckham is if he catches that, there's no controversy. If he, if he catches it, right, but he doesn't. But this shows you why that decision wasn't the right one, but that's not a conversation for right now. We're going to get to that in a second. But here's the deal with Odell. You give the guy $90 million, and giving Odell that kind of money, what his production has been so far for his career, you haven't won. It's not like Odell Beckham is a franchise-changing talent that is going to take you from the basement to the penthouse. He's not. You've seen him. He can have years where he's ca- he's having a good year stat-wise. Touchdowns are down, but he's having a good year stat-wise. And where are the Giants? They're one and six. All right. This is this is the reality. You can be one and six and have one of the top receivers in the National Football League. It's why paying ninety million for a wide receiver is not a great investment. You can draft Saquon Barkley, and he can be a next level player. I mean, he may be becoming that kind of guy, but right now he's still a little bit short. He came into the game. Uh, sixth in the NFL in rushing, but he's going to get passed by a lot of players because he only ran for 43 yards on uh, uh, during the game tonight. So this is the deal. You can have Saquon Barkley, and look where you are. You're one and six. I mean, you can do that. You want to blame Eli Manning? Eli Manning had a decent night tonight. You still only scored 20 points, and you're one and six. Well, you did some dubious clock management. I mean, that's that's where Shermer should really be getting the criticism. Anywhere you look, he's going to get criticism. No, no. Well, I mean, anywhere, you're you're one you're one in six. They're going to matter. They're going to pile on from every respect. But I mean, there there's just a number of situational things. Even even if you put the two point conversion off in a box by itself, there were some other things. And and Eli is your what sixteen year veteran. He's mm. got to know better in some of these things too. You're calling a quarterback sneak. I'll see you in hell. We have no timeouts left. Let's go. So, I'll see you in hell. It's like we we're wasting time. We had no way to stop the clock, and I'm not exactly the most nimble. I mean, they called the the bootleg at one point in the red zone. Look, I like that if I got a guy that's got any kind of wheels on him whatsoever, and he got it down to the one. They end up calling some dubious plays to try to score. They don't. They turn the ball over on downs. Instead, at that point, it was 10-3. You could have kicked a field goal, been 10-6. Not that you want to settle for a field goal from the one-yard line, but again, if we're going to do the math, let's do the math. You go for it in that situation thinking you can get your one-and-a-half yards, you fail. Okay, fine. You threw it to a guy named Simonson that nobody would ever heard of uh, instead of all your other receivers and Evan Ingram, who's back on the field for you after missing several weeks. But to your point, Odell Beckham Jr., 
like any other wide receiver, save Jerry Rice, is not the key to your your existence of getting you to a title. Right? We're seeing all the stats flashing up because of what Adam Thielen's doing. It's a nice component part. There's a lot that still has to go right. Mm-hmm. You look at one of the names on the list of all these 100-yard games. Calvin Johnson was amazing when he was healthy. They win a damn thing. So <laughs> it doesn't matter. If you spend money poorly at other positions, which they have, the offensive line is still a turnstile oftentimes. They haven't shown Saquon Barkley how to pick up a blitz yet. So there's Eli Manning getting backed into by his running back and the opposing rusher. So you've got all these other component parts of your roster where you've you've really made some tactical errors in terms of how you've built things. So Eli Manning wasn't great. I mean, 399, it's going to be eye-popping in the box score. He missed some throws, missed some opportunities. But, you know, there there's so many things wrong with the Giants right now that it, it's really easy to just throw it at a dartboard and hit something. But that, but that's but that's the point. It's it's not about Odell because then if you want to, you could throw the off the field stuff on and go, boy, now is he really worth it? But I mean, but let's not even address right. that part of it. This is just the importance of a wide receiver and being smart in spending money because mm-hmm. you have so much to fix on this team. But here's Odell Beckham Jr. that now you have committed a ton of that money to that you need to be able to attract free agents. You need to be able to have enough money to continue to build the team because you have so many holes in this roster, your entire offensive line, your defense, everywhere. But you committed all this money to Odell Beckham Jr. There's only so much. I know the salary cap goes up and up every year, but you committed a lot of money to him. And now you're no closer to fixing the problems this roster has than you were when you gave it to him. The Giants are an absolute dumpster fire. I mean, they're they're a dumpster fire. And as Jay Glazer said, hey, listen – you, they're going to need two or three years to get out from under sure. where they're at right now. So now I, I ask you, was giving Odell Beckham Jr. that kind of money the best thing they could do? Or should they have franchised him and franchised him again? And, hey, we're gonna, I'm going to pay you. Oh, I'm always You're a franchise first I'll franchise guy. you. I'll franchise you. I'll, I'll get great production out of you. you got to stay healthy, and it's awesome. But they decided, no, we want to pay him. We want to keep him here long term. He's a wide receiver. I'll we franchise anybody that's that. a non-quarterback. Because the price of the quarterback is escalating far faster than the other positions. So if I've got a quarterback that I believe in and I want around full-time, that's the guy I invest my money in. But as we've seen, the Giants threw big contracts at other guys to try to fill holes. And even coming off last year, there were so many injuries off that team. I think to some degree it was believing that getting them healthy was going to be enough to be competitive again. And in this NFC West that's been mediocre at best, right, your leader in the clubhouse is Washington at 4-2, and two. But how good are they, right? Still a lot of, I mean, they eke out a win over the Cowboys, a little bit of controversy, everybody up in arms, and the Cowboys immediately go and make a trade. But we look at the the Giants, and I think to some degree there was the belief that you had enough around and cobbled with a couple of pieces to put a little spackle on it that you could put Eli Manning behind that team and get it rolling. Fox Sports Radio, the Jason Smith Show with my best friend, Mike Harmon, 877-99 on Fox Twitter, at How About a Fresca, Mike at Swollen Dome. I mean, that that's the, the reality with the New York Giants, which is why paying money for a wide receiver, it's just, it's not worth it. It's not, it's not going to help you. It's not going to take you to the promised land. No one builds their team around wide receivers. Wide receivers are positions that need to be liquid, that you need to build depth, 
and you build around a quarterback that can make the right calls. That's how you should build this team, and the Giants have failed to realize how to build this team. What they should have done is, all right, instead of giving money to Odell Beckham and drafting Saquon Barkley, what do we do? What's the fastest way to building a good team? Let's go out and get a good offensive line, let's make the right offensive line decisions, and let's draft a quarterback. But instead, they didn't do that. So let's go top-heavy with a couple of big names, and they're no closer to being good than they were before than they had them. On the plus side, you're going to get a quarterback on a nice rookie deal going forward. This is true. Yeah, you're good. Yeah, with with your star receiver and running back already in place. Yeah, yeah. So in theory, it, it, in theory, in theory, you could work this in the reverse, right? Normally, you want the quarterback, and then you build around him. Here, now you're going to jam the quarterback into that situation. Hey, you can control the locker room, can't you? Young guy fresh out of college. The Jason Smith Show with Mike Harmon. Quick update from Staples Center. The Lakers trying to hold on against the Spurs in overtime, 142-138. An incredible play up and down the floor the Lakers just made moments ago, resulting in a hoop and a free throw from LeBron James. When we talk next... Are we talking about the first victory and a signature victory for the Lakers and evidence why I can coach this team? Or is it a big collapse and we're just going to talk about something else? That's coming up next. Fox. Juice. Yay. Uh, This is going to be the last couple minutes of the show because I think Undisputed will be taking over the airwaves on both television and radio. Skip Bayless is banging on the door to get into the studio right now. I got to get in and talk about LeBron. He missed you know two. What he just did. <laughs> you blew it. So, gather. Gather. Gather around. The Jason Smith Show with Mike Harmon live from the Geico Studios. The Spurs beat the Lakers 143-142 in overtime. How did this happen, you may ask? Jason, weren't you just telling me the Lakers had a six-point lead? They did. They did. They did not end with one. A frantic comeback to draw and force overtime. Here's, Here's the night for LeBron James. The last minute of overtime and then the entirety of overtime. With the Lakers trailing by three and just eight seconds left, the Spurs miss a shot that would have probably iced the game. LeBron gets hit in the head or, or hit in the in the eye a little bit somewhere, somewhere during the play. The Lakers get the rebound, and before they pass it out to him, LeBron signals for a timeout, but the Lakers don't have any timeouts left. Good however, thing they didn't call that however, timeout. That is ignored. I don't see you, LeBron. I don't see you. Did someone hold up a zero to him, to S- one of the referees? So he... So he can't see. He calls a timeout they don't have. The referees ignore him. He gets the pass, dribbles down court, and hits a three to send the game to overtime. So it was the yin and yang for LeBron James. Yeah. Right? We go to overtime. Lakers are imposing their will on the game. Lakers have a 139-136 lead when... With a minute to go, the Spurs miss a shot. The rebound is corralled by the Lakers. It's a couple of big passes, one that nearly goes out of bounds, but Lonzo saves it, gets it to LeBron, who drives in for a floater, hoop, and the foul. Staples Center explodes. LeBron makes the free throw, 142-136. That's 55.6 seconds remaining in the overtime period. So... Looking good. 
Spurs get a layup. Kyle Kuzma misses a three. Rudy Gay hits a three. So now it's the Lakers with a 142-141 lead with 15 seconds left to go. Well, they also ran a lot of clock, right? They did. They did. The Lakers before the Kuzma miss. So LeBron gets fouled, and what happens? He misses not one, but two free throws. Who, me? So now the Spurs get the ball, down one, with 11 seconds left. Patty Mills hits a jumper to give the Spurs the lead, 143-142. Back down the floor, the Lakers come. Instead of trying to get to the hoop with the Lakers down one, LeBron fakes to the hoop, sees a defender who was going to collapse, bounces back for a fadeaway that misses, back of the iron, time runs out, Spurs beat the Lakers 143-142. The Lakers now fall to 0-3, 0-2 at home. So a couple of things, the 22-foot step-back jump shot, not your high percentage. No, uh, no, no, opportunity. no. Uh, and a lot of people immediately into the timeline. Did Kobe ever start 0-3? <laughs> Did Kobe ever miss a 22-foot? I mean, look, LeBron, well, James, yeah. <laughs> LeBron James made some incredible plays tonight. He also made some bad plays tonight. He got bailed out with the timeout, yeah. got completely bailed out, and he misses both free throws. And then instead of trying to get to the line for a free throw – he takes a jumper, which look, this happens to LeBron many times. He does it because it looks pretty, right? He does. I've had so many people that have covered the Cavaliers and Heat over the past few years say the same thing. Sometimes he just decides he wants to hit a shot that's pretty, and that would have been a pretty fadeaway. He made the three at the end of the regulation, but he had to take the three. Right. This was something where I'd like to see him get to the hoop, like to see him try to get there and draw a foul or get a better high percentage shot. But he settles for a really a really wide step back. He took a big step towards the hoop and then took a big step back, and I don't know if that messed with his balance a little bit, but then he goes off the back rim and the Lakers lose 143-142. Despite all of this, I still feel the same way about the Lakers as I did before the season. They will be just fine. I fully expected them to struggle early. I expected them to struggle and go 6-6, six and six, Seven and seven, seven and eight. The first 12, 15 games were going to be an adjustment. But what I saw tonight was two very big things that we talked about earlier tonight before this game. This makes me realize I can coach the Lakers. Another with no training. With no training. No jobs I could do with no training. I mean, you got the concussion the training for doing the soccer coaching, but yeah, beyond that, not a lot of basketball. I, I, I take that every year. I take that concussion training every got to take it every got to take it every got to be certified. Gotta be, yeah, that's right. When the suspensions came out for the Lakers today, obviously they're playing the first game without Rajon Rondo, without Brandon Ingram, and Lonzo Ball was going to start, and Kyle Kuzma would start for Brandon Ingram. I was not that upset with this because number one, sometimes brawls like they had Saturday galvanize a team and bring everybody together. Not all the time, but sometimes they do. Well, but in this case, it's also a team at the beginning that, let's face it, when it was constructed, looked like like when you're putting together Suicide Squad, right? What are all these people? What are we doing? Why? why what? Is LeBron here's Harley Lance, Quinn? I don't know. Here's, okay. here's Lance Stevenson. Lance here's, is Harley Quinn. Yeah, no, I'm Lance just saying, you got a, a lot of components. You got some crazy in the locker room. Got a lot of crazy. A lot of crazy. When you add Rachel Rondo, you add Lance Stevenson. I mean, he wasn't involved. <laughs> he didn't yeah, get into the right. race. I mean, come on. Uh, LeBron James, I mean, 
you'd, you'd probably be dead shot. But, but I mean, no, but it, like we're not going to cast the movie. But just the idea of you don't know how it's going to work, but you need something to bring them together. Right. At some point, it's either a string of losses, some huge win, or where they need to have each other's back. Right. And, and here you go, right each other's away. Back. And so that was part one. Part two was. I'm not saying Kyle Kuzma is more talented than Brandon Ingram. You've been saying that all night. What the what did the Lakers this is before the show. You can check even check Twitter on this. It's true. And I even said it today, filling in on AM five seventy LA Sports with Rob Parker when we talked Dodgers World Series and talked about what the Lakers would look like tonight. The Lakers need a shot maker. And we know this. And I said, look, Kyle Kuzma starting for Brandon Ingram isn't the worst thing in the world because as talented as Brandon Ingram is, he's not a shot maker. Kyle Kuzma is the closest thing the Lakers have to that. But with him coming off the bench, are we ever going to get a chance to see it? And I said, we may see that tonight, that suddenly Kyle Kuzma may be a better fit with the LeBron Lakers because LeBron needs guys to have specific roles on the team. And it's hard to argue with him because he goes to the finals every single year. What do we see tonight? Kyle Kuzma, 45 minutes, 37 points, Eight rebounds, he shot 15 for 25. He was the shot maker that LeBron needed. Suddenly now you're thinking, well, a whole new world has opened up for the Lakers because look at Kyle Kuzma playing alongside LeBron. That was number one. Number two was, okay, now we're going to see what things look like for the Lakers with Lonzo Ball starting and playing alongside LeBron James. Maybe you catch something because Lonzo's game and LeBron's game don't really mesh and LeBron needs the ball. Lonzo needs the ball, but but if it's LeBron versus Lonzo, LeBron needs the ball. We're seeing Lonzo come off the bench and come out of the game the first time when LeBron goes to sit, and Lonzo Ball is playing bench minutes. Maybe they would find something tonight at some point that people aren't uh, taking into account. And Lonzo Ball started out the game with 10 points in the first quarter. He carried the Lakers early, and things weren't as rocky as you'd expect with Lonzo and LeBron. Lonzo did knock down a couple of threes. He was three out of seven. If he can do that and LeBron can find him for open shots like that and he can make those, they can work better together. So now the Lakers have found something out that maybe they wouldn't have found out had Lonzo and Brandon Ingram not been suspended. They would have kept going the way that, well, Kyle's going to come off the bench be part of the second unit and that'll work. But now they realize, hey, wait a minute, Kuzma in the starting lineup here, this might work for us. Well, suddenly Lonzo and LeBron playing together. Okay, this 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 might work a little bit here. So the Lakers may have found stuff tonight they would not have found otherwise. Yeah, I mean, the Kuzma seemed like he should have run into that just by reviewing the tape from last season, right? Because how many times was he the only guy that you could count on to make a shot? And it was a nice distraction, you know, from the distraction of LeVar Ball, Lonzo Ball, and what's going on. And even once Lonzo was hurt, it was still, well, what's with Lonzo's knee and all that discussion. Meanwhile, Kuzma went out. Eventually, he hit a rookie wall, but he had himself a fantastic year and showed he can make shots. Here with LeBron James, we see with Lonzo at least for one night, and it's a small sample size, but a catch and shoot wasn't atrocious. Actually knocked down a couple shots. Because, you know, the defense is collapsing on LeBron. Lonzo's going to have a lot of open looks. Last year it was open looks before he got hurt because he couldn't shoot and people were daring him to shoot. If he's added any element uh, of an outside shot, now he becomes that much more dangerous because he's going to get a lot of opportunities with LeBron James and how much defenses have to focus on what he's doing, whether he's stepping back or getting ready to 
put his head down and go Clyde Drexler and drive into the lane and such. So uh, interesting night, obviously not a lot of defense, but highly entertaining for those at Staples Center to watch this one for us here in the Geico studios to see, even though they go down 0-3, you know, the, the wheels are churning for the Lakers and, and they're eventually going to move one or more of these parts and go find a legitimate spot-up shooter. But for the moment, they, they've got some more aptitude from, from players, and, and they're learning some new things about those second-year pros. Twitter at How About a Fresca. Mike at Swollen Dome, the Jason Smith Show, with my best friend Mike Harmon. We got more LeBron and the Lakers on the way coming up in one minute. The biggest story in football tonight is about math. But first, it's Deb Carson with What's Trending, D.C. All right. Well, after trailing the Spurs by double digits, the Lakers rallied, and LeBron James hit the game-tying shot to send it to OT. Down by one in OT. Would he hit the winner? LeBron James on the left wing. Step back. Long two. That shot is off the rim, though. Good. Rebound. Fought for. It goes out of bounds. This ball game is over. The Spurs have won a wild game in overtime. San Antonio wins it. 143-142. to 142. Spurs radio with a call, so the Lakers start the season 0-3. San Antonio improves to 2-1 to start the season. Also an overtime game in Portland. Wizards beat the Blazers 125-124. Markeith Morris led Washington with 28. No OT needed in Oakland. Warriors drilled the Suns 123-103. Monday night football action. Falcons held off the Giants 23-20. Atlanta is 3-4. Giants start the season 1-6. and six. In the loss, Odell Beckham Jr. did reach the 5,000 career receiving yards mark faster than anyone else has in NFL history. 54 games for him to get that done. And the Raiders continue to clear their house, trading receiver Amari Cooper to the Cowboys. Dallas giving up a first-round pick in 2019. Raiders also placed Marshawn Lynch on IR with a groin injury. Great news. There's a quick way you could save money. Switch to Geico. Go to geico.com, and in 15 minutes, you could save 15% or more on your car insurance. Another note, guys, Bill's rookie quarterback, Josh Allen, already ruled out for week eight next Monday night because of his elbow injury. So Derek Anderson gets to start for the second straight week. How happy are Bill's fans. Woo! Woo. And people who are streaming defenses against them. Wait, you, you, that, that's Monday night football? Next Monday night. Boy, yeah. I'm going to make up some stories. We're going to do rat no. rankings, updates, that'll and all be, sorts of crazy That'll be stuff. a highly rated game for about a quarter. You're right. <laughs> Thanks, Deb. You bet. We're live from the Geico Studios where 15 minutes can save you 15% or more in car insurance. More info. Visit geico.com. So the big play in tonight's Monday night football game has to do with a two-point conversion that didn't have an impact on the end of the game. With the Giants trailing by two touchdowns late in the fourth quarter, Saquon Barkley goes in from a couple yards out, 20-12, to extra point pending. Instead of kicking the extra point, the Giants go for two. They don't get it. Pass to Odell Beckham Jr. in the front part of the end zone. Odell just drops it. So now the Giants are down eight. If they were going to tie this game, they would need a touchdown and a two-point conversion, and everybody wondered, why would you do this? Everybody has the same defense of who is defending Pat Shermer for this decision. The math. The math works out. The math works. You have anywhere from a 55 to 60% chance if you can convert to win the game versus a 0% chance to win if you kick two extra points and go to overtime. Everybody says the same thing. The math works. The math works. I get that part of it. But here's what people are leaving out. 
Number one, all the, all the, the, the popular defenses of this on Twitter. Number one, Doug Peterson did it a couple weeks ago. Okay, just because Doug Peterson won the Super Bowl doesn't mean it's right. That's like when when your when your mom catches you. Were you jumping off the roof? Yeah, Billy did it. Oh, oh, well, okay. And, and Billy's See, older than you. Jumping and yeah. Billy and jumping knucklehead <laughs> Billy did it. Oh, so Billy. Oh, that then it's fine then. Just because Doug Peterson did it doesn't mean it's a right application in football. Yes, the math works that you should be able to convert. However, there is more at stake than just math. There is more at stake than just, well, anywhere from 52 to 60% of the time it works, however the variable goes for this. That's not good enough because there's too many variables, if you want to keep going math, than just the math says you should do this. The Giants are a bad football team. All right, that's, does that take into account? How many bad football teams get two-point conversions? Does the math work for that? No, the math just works overall. But you got to say, hey, how many teams that are are not talented? What what's their record for two point conversions? But that's where the math comes into play here. Okay, it's in that in that you're eliminating one of the variables if this works in your to your favor. And Od- Odell Beckham Jr. actually catches the ball, right? Because now you got your two. And assuming your defense, there's a lot of there's a lot of variables that still like play said, in there's this. Too many variables. But to that, say this but is here's the right one: call. you're knocking one off the back end because. If you're on the road and you're a bad team and everything that ha- can go wrong has all year, let's not play for overtime, which is essentially what Shermer and company are doing here, right? Because you get the two-point conversion here, you've closed it to six. Then if you're able to get a stop, get the ball back, score a touchdown, now you kick a PAT and you win the game as opposed uh, to going to overtime. No, that's not playing for overtime. Playing for overtime is kick the extra point, score the touchdown, and go for two to try to win the game. No, the that would be, that's, play, that's no, playing, that would be playing for overtime. You're, you're, this is you're, you're playing to win because if you, you're going to need to score a second touchdown unless you can somehow manage the clock. I mean, look, we see a lot of coaches mismanage the clock, but there was no way you were getting that extra possession in there. Then people are going to argue, ah, oh, you could have gone for two field goals. I, I, no, there's, unless there's, there's a turnover, you're not getting that. No, but the idea being that if you if you score the two, then you're down just six touchdown plus PAT, you're done. You're not leaving it to the fifty fifty proposition that is overtime, which is probably skewed when you're a one in five team on the road. There's add those variables back in. It's probably a lesser than fifty percent chance of going in and winning in overtime. So you're trying to eliminate that and take that off the board. I get, I get the math. I get I it. I understand. I get it. But I—that's what Chris Bruce Arbor. But say. you don't I like get it. it. But I, <laughs> if you're trying to convert, it's a fifty-fifty. It's a little bit over fifty percent chance you get a two-point conversion. True. That's not high enough. That's not high enough for me. When your goal is to try to win the game, if you go for two, trying to go for two twice, it's one over two times one over two. That's one quarter. That's twenty-five percent chance. That's no. That's right? That's inaccurate. Because they're they're. They're independent plays. It's independent right. variables. It's one over two and one over no, two. No, but it, right, but it's half right. and half. It's not one half times half because they're not related. They're two independent plays. Right, it, but if it's you're a fifty percent proposition, one or get, the other. Okay, okay. So, all right. So if if you're not talking about getting both, if you're trying to get the first one, mm-hmm. and that's a fifty percent play, a tiny bit over fifty percent. What's the gain that you really get? Is it is it worth it? Because what you need on a 50% play, t- tiny bit over 50%, is you're still down six. You still need to get the ball back and score a touchdown. Mm-hmm. Nothing the Falcons do 
is changed on offense. They do the same thing on offense. They're trying to get first downs to kill the clock, mm-hmm. and they're going to punt the ball away to you if you stop them because all they have to do is stop you from getting in the end zone. They can let you do anything else but get in the end zone. Now, if you get in and kick the extra point, yeah, in theory, then you win. But nothing changes for that. You don't get that much of an advantage. If you miss it, now suddenly you have to get a touchdown and you have to convert a 50-50 play. So now you absolutely have to have both of those things, and that's just to tie the game where you go to overtime, where it's a coin flip. What you risk, what you gain by getting that two-point conversion is not nearly what you you risk by not having it happen. Because if they get it, they're still down a touchdown. They still need a touchdown and and, 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 and an extra point to win. But if you don't get it, it's why is he doing this? Why is he going for two when you obviously don't have to? Because... You don't have to at that point. You can, If you want to go for two and try to win, you go for two and try to win the second time you get the ball back. You can do what Mike Vrabel did. If you really want to try to win the game, you do it then. All right, You go for two then if you want to. But now I'm trying to do it now. All he's doing is the same thing that you would do if you really wanted to win the game. Instead of going for one now and two at the end, you're going for two now and one at the end. So if you're telling me, you can't tell me it's math when really what you're trying to do is say, okay, I'm trying to win the game now because you can do it both ways. But if you go for two the first time and don't get it, you put yourself in a huge hole trying to get to that point later on. So the risk and what you wind up losing if you don't get that is way more than what you gain by getting it. I'm not saying there's nothing to gain. I get that whole thing. Hey, if you do this, if you, but it's all if. It's if, 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 if. If you want to play the if game, well, kicking the extra point is a 90% chance, and that's much better. You have a better chance of kicking two extra points and going to overtime than you do trying to make two or one two-point conversion, then an extra point, and then going to overtime. Right, but the point is to to eliminate the extra 50% chance of the overtime period. But, it, but is it's what not, it gets down. But to. it's not. It's not you. You're not at a disadvantage going to overtime. No. Well, but you're not, it's you're still not, a 50-50 proposition, and you're a bad team, and you're on the road. So a, a lot of that still flows. If you're going to add an extra period to things, that you're you're probably not getting out with a win. Here, you're also being aggressive and trying to galvanize a locker room, much like the fight with the Lakers and everything else, showing that there's still some competitive fight in you. Because Pat Shermer will convince you that here he he might have actually tried to do it on the field. Twitter at how about a fresca? I, I the, the math is great. Math is great. Doesn't have a practical application. But, ju- but just remember though, those are independent yeah. operatives, right? It's like I flip a coin. Just because it's come yes. up heads forty two times in right. a row. But to Does try to change the outcome, odds. you multiply the bottom, the denominator. Not in not in this particular. No, but if you're trying to get a certain outcome, if you're trying to get a certain outcome, that's what it is. If it's just any outcome, yes, it's individual like that. But if you're trying to get a certain, if you're trying to get the number, the the lottery numbers, it's one over forty times one over forty times one over forty times one over forty or forty eight, whatever it is. See, We're now, doing you're, now you're getting ready to do your uh, lottery picking. I'll, I be, like I'll it. be able to teach class tomorrow. Look at you. Uh, coming up next, Luke Walton is absolutely heated. Over the officiating and the Lakers' loss to the Spurs tonight, you're going to hear him coming up next right here, Fox Sports Radio. J.R. Smith's huge boner. Be sure to catch live editions of the Jason Smith Show with Mike Harmon weekdays at 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific. 
Fox Sports Radio, the Jason Smith Show with my best friend, Mike Harmon, live from the Geico Studios, oh. where 15 minutes can save you 15% or more in car insurance. Go to geico.com right now and see how much you can save. Good to hear from Luke Walton, who's very upset about the officiating tonight in the Lakers' 143-142 loss to the Spurs. A phenomenal game. LeBron forces OT with a three at the buzzer, and then in overtime he misses two free throws with 10 seconds left. The Spurs hit a jumper to take the lead. LeBron misses a fadeaway at the buzzer, and the Lakers come out of it with a loss. It's too soon, bro. Already, the number two trending topic on Twitter is Kobe. Right? <laughs> People saying the same thing. Did Kobe and the Lakers at Kobe ever start 0 3? Would Kobe have missed all these shots? Kobe, 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 Kobe. What did we tell you was going to be something LeBron James was not ready for? He's not ready for many Lakers fans to hate him. Kobe! There are many Kobe fans who still are waiting to embrace LeBron James and have him at arm's length. If LeBron wins a championship, of course everybody's going to love him. But because this is what people are like, there are many Lakers fans who would be just as happy to see LeBron fall on his face because they can say, see, we knew it. He's not Kobe. He's not Shaq. He's not Magic. He's not Kareem. He's not Wilt. And they would say that. LeBron's not ready for a portion of the fan base to really not like him. And that's what's happening right now. He's not ready for that. But that's what's going on because you're already seeing Kobe. Not LeBron is trending. Not, no, Kobe is trending because, see, Kobe would have made all. Now, maybe Kobe's got a bunch of burner accounts and they're <laughs> run from Russia and this is what's happening. But that wouldn't have happened. But there, trust me, there's a big part of Laker fans who would love to see LeBron fail so they can say, see, he's not really one of us. And that tweet and that line of uh, argument in the social media sphere got two runs right before he hit the three-pointer to force overtime. And then once things crumbled uh, towards the end of OT, where they blew the six-point lead with under a minute playing. Here you go. This is from ESPN Stats and Info on their Twitter account. He missed two free throws with 12 seconds left in overtime. Lakers up one. In the final 15 seconds of a fourth-quarter overtime, LeBron is now 10 of 21 from the free throw lines in one-score game since the start of last season. Woo. 48% worst field free throw percentage of any player with at least 10 in those situations. There you go, Kobe fans. Take that one. <laughs> Run with that one. But that's I mean, look, nobody would have been defacing murals in L.A. if LeBron was loved by everybody. But he's not. He's got to win everybody over. And I mean it. That's just human nature. People say, yeah, I'm happy, just as happy with him failing as I am seeing him win. Now, Luke Walton is straight out of the playbook of, I got to do something to deflect all this bad attention from LeBron. So here's Luke Walton following the game, talking about the officiating and how upset he is at it. I, I just can't anymore. It's 70-something points in the paint to 50-something. Again, they outshoot us from the free throw line. 38 free throws. I watch, watch the play. Watch the play where I got a technical foul on. Watch what happened to LeBron James's arm. It's the same thing that James Harden and Chris Paul shot 30 free throws on us the night before. Then LeBron pulls up on a screen, somebody trying to fight over. Same, same thing they shot free throws on. Same thing. We are scoring 70 points a night in the paint. Watch how Josh Hart plays this game. He played 40 minutes tonight. All he does is attack the rim. Zero free throws tonight. Zero. I know they're young. I get that. But if we're going to play a certain way, let's not reward people for flopping 30 feet from the hole on plays that have nothing to do with that possession. 
They're just flopping just to keep, see if they get a foul call and then not reward players that are physically going to the basket and getting hit. It's not right. Take that for that. <laughs> I love it. He banged well, on that table about 37 I times. I, I, I get the points in the paint. And, but, and in the end, Luke Walton is trying to deflect from the fact that they blew a six-point lead with 55 seconds. LeBron tried to call timeout. They didn't have one. LeBron missed two free throws. LeBron missed a shot. This is all to try to say, okay, I want people to now. I'll take the heat for LeBron now because this we're 0-3 and LeBron made did not make plays and he's going to get killed the next few days because of it. Entertaining times in Los Angeles. World Series game one tomorrow. That's what Luke Walton should have just said. Hey, how about the Dodgers? Game one's tomorrow. Everybody excited? I'm excited. Ben Mallard. Viva Puig. Fox. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see See what music does to people. It gives me a lot of hope. If you liked Locatora before, you're going to love Season 9. Subscribe to our show and you'll see why Locatora is your prima's favorite podcast. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.